0: everybody welcome to fns wrestling podcast episode 65 i'm your host back in the basement to talk some wrestling with my co-host and teenage son jackson say hello jack
1: hi do i have permission to play the Or execute order 66 clip next week
0: oh next week sure if we can find it all right sick how are we gonna get that in there well,
1: i will just put my phone up to <laughs> the microphone and play it and sure. if you don't get the reference then um, I will hunt every one of you down.
0: Wow, he will not, but he'll be disappointed <laughs> in you, at least, shall we say.
1: we're almost there.
0: Right, we are almost at episode 66, but it's episode 65. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener, thanks for coming back. If you're a return listener, if you'd like to contact us, fnswrestling at gmail.com, fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram, or leave a comment in YouTube if you would like. I promise we will get back to you. Well, uh, for me, it's going to be another tired Saturday, right? I was up, another poker game broke out. It's almost like it's a normal time. But anyways, one of my colleagues and friends is about to move across the country in a couple days, so he hosted his, sort of his last hurrah poker game at his, uh, at a cottage out not too far from us, so a few people went out there last night. A lot of fun, late night though, got home, did you hear me come home at all? No. no, I got home at about two thirty. So went to bed at three, and actually started watching CM Punk, Matt Seidel from Rampage at three o'clock in the morning, and watched most of that. So nice. I may talk about it a little bit when we get to any other wrestling business. But what? Uh, anything exciting happened to you this week?
1: No, I'm I'm also tired.
0: You're mo- you're also tired. Why? Uh, what were you up to?
1: I don't know. I was just up later. Oh,
0: I was right then. That was my theory that you were up late last night. Yeah. Like, all of you were, or just you? Mm-mm, mainly me. Mainly On you. On purpose. And tonight, or today yeah, we're...
1: Yeah, Mom told me to watch, like, one more show after they went up, and I picked the double episode of Goldberg's. Of course she did. And proceeded to watch another one after that.
0: I see. So, you were up until what time?
1: Like, 11.30, maybe. Uh, okay. Well, I... I Which is not, not normal.
0: No. it's. I mean, it's the weekend, so whatever. And today we're heading out to your grandfather's my father-in-law's for some dinner and i think your aunts and uncles are
1: i've been at that house yet
0: i have not been at the new house yet either so that'll be interesting it
1: is closer so that's nice i find my 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 head feels a little weird right now and i've been that usually happens a lot after long car rides right so you're looking for yeah it's not too
0: long anymore right
1: like somewhat like just being in the car after a bit right i don't know it's just kind of weird now
0: yeah so that's at least that's cut down by i don't know half an hour i think now less time to get to grandpa's house so
1: yes
0: um so it's gonna be a bit of a different week for us there's gonna be adjustments because we're recording this on saturday morning i
1: believe next week's is also saturday night is it i think so so
0: because of saturday night dynamite obviously that won't be included in the show today but i imagine maybe we'll sit down tomorrow and quickly talk about it if we can and put out i think last time i did like a, it'll be like an episode 65b sort of thing right Is that's what I did last time. That
1: sounds like what happened. Yeah.
0: And then so we'll get to AEW Dynamite tomorrow. So today we'll talk about our normal stuff other than that. And then probably come back at you tomorrow with some AEW Dynamite. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to discuss before we get into our first segment? Mm, Nothing. All right. So let's get into talking about some wrestling officially with our first segment, News and Rumors. So taking a look at some ratings, first of all, we've got the Tuesday's live edition of NXT 2.0 drew 632,000 viewers on the USA Network, which is interestingly, I don't think this has happened before, the exact same numbers as last week, so no increase, no decrease. They earned a 0.15 in the key 18-49 to demographic, which is up 15.38%. So I don't know, I guess at least the bottom line is it didn't get worse. The ratings didn't go down for, what, the fifth straight week or whatever. They actually leveled off at 6.32. And then Thursday night's Impact Wrestling Show, I threw in there since we don't have Dynamite to talk about yet. (laughs) Do you want to guess what their, I think we've played this game before. What do you think Impact gets for a, so they were down 19% from the week before, if that helps you. What would you like to guess their ratings are? 40,000? Oh, you're mean. 89,000 viewers. Mm. So under 100,000 and in the in the demographic, what would you like to guess? So NXT was a 0. 0.15. What do you think Impact gets?
1: 0. 0.05.
0: Very close. 0. 0.03 in the demographics. Nah, that's too nice. So again, I don't normally cover Impact and that seems like a very small number, but I think the majority of Impact's thing is like overseas viewers and stuff like that is where I think a lot of their revenue and a lot of their interest comes from. But anyways, I thought I would just include that to replace the Dynamite ratings that we don't have yet. So what do you have for us in news? It was a kind of a light news it, week, we it, thought.
1: It was pretty slow. Um, the only thing I have is WD has canceled all their December pay-per-view, pay-per-view plans. Oh, really? So probably no TLC. Uh, it's believed to be because of that New Year's Day pay-per-view they, they're planning, oh, wow. uh, the day one. So I guess any December pay-per-view would be too close in proximity, I guess. I
0: had not heard that. Interesting. Yeah, And Yeah. For, that seems like a pretty big change for them. They're usually pretty consistent about their stuff. Yeah. Um, what do I have? Something about Roman Reigns, just sort of further evidence that he is definitely the company guy right now. He was asked some, made some comments about CM Punk that really just sort of reveal his status with WWE, I think. So he was uh, in a conversation with Complex, uh, the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, directly addressed the idea of one day having a match against CM Punk. So some direct quotes from Roman Reigns. On a personal level, it doesn't do anything for me. That's not going to elevate me at all. He's older now. I haven't really seen a full match. I've seen a clip or two. And to me, a step or two has been lost. Then also, he got his butt whooped in the UFC. I don't think anybody really believes some 200 pounds soaking wet with no explosive bone in their body could ever really do anything to me. I'm 6'3", 265, a legitimate athlete who can throw some weight around. I'll throw him and pretty much the rest of that roster out of the club, no problem. They're just little brothers, you know? So, I mean, I just picture, like, Vince standing behind him, nodding, right? As he's, like, ticking the boxes. Okay, so you called him old? Check. You called him small? Check, right? Like, basically he's sort of spouting Vince's things, right? If you're not really big and you're not really young, then you're not much use to us. So I just, this is Roman Reigns just being the company man, right? Like Rollins is, like Cena has been, where they're never going to say anything controversial. They're always going to reinforce whatever talking points. And I say that like in complaining, but that's probably good business for them to do. And clearly it's going to help his career. But basically to say like, He's not going to elevate me. I'm so far above him. He's too small. He's too old. And Vince is like, yes, yes, yes. Right? That's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah. What else do you have?
1: I have nothing else.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about the Queen's Crown Tournament because I've read some things and heard some things that made me kind of laugh about it. Right? So first of all, let's look at the field for the tournament as well as the records which for the year, which I pulled up from cagematch.net. Okay? So you've got Natalia. Um, she does not have a winning record. Care to guess on her record? She's had a lot of matches, at least. Oh,
1: and 57.
0: She's 18 and 23. Carmella is 4 and 20.
1: Yeah, she's... Well, because she faced Banks and Belair a lot this year, right? right? And did not win very much.
0: Liv Morgan in this prestigious tournament, she's 8 and 14 this year. Dana Brooke, she's 5 and 14. Tony Storm, she's 4 and 7. Well,
1: she's... Are we including NXT for Tony Storm? No,
0: I so, think it's just main roster. Zelina, really,
1: she hasn't. I, I feel like it might be because I don't think you, she's had that many main roster matches. But maybe it might still, include it then. She sucks.
0: Uh, Zelina Vega, who's already advanced to the finals, right? Won two matches already. She's three and ten this year. Dewdrop, the winning record. What
1: Piper Nevin.
0: Congratulations to her. She's six and five. She's the only one with a winning record in the tournament. And your beloved Shayna Baszler, twenty-two and twenty-eight.
1: Right, and so the quarterfinals, or semifinals, actually, sorry, um, yes. were uh, Vega, who beat Carmella, um, and it was Carmella, and then Dewdrop and Baszler. Yes. And so out of the three that are left, I guess it's Baszler, Dewdrop, and Vega. How is it not to Baszler?
0: I would hope it is, but I also I don't know. I
1: literally cannot fathom how it's not to Baszler, but then at the same time, they're so incredibly stupid that <laughs> it could end up being Dewdrop.
0: And so clearly this is not the top-tier talent in the division, Other right? Other than Baszler. So maybe then... If it's not top-tier talent, they're giving them lots of time to showcase their skills in the matches, right. right? So let's look at that. Vega beat Storm in 2 minutes 13 seconds. Carmella beat Liv Morgan in 1 minute 33 seconds. Baszler beat Dana Brooke in a minute 25 do drop beat Natalia in three minutes, and Zelina Vega in the longest match of the tournament so far. Right. Beat Carmella in three minutes and twenty five. And 25 my thing seconds.
1: is, I know why they're doing this because it's like the, it's equality and whatever, right? Yeah. Like if they're not gonna do it right and this not is almost people, more like, insulting. It's it's all right, and there's other people that they could. I guess all the major ones like Belair and Banks and Lynch and Flair are all wrapped up with each other. But right. Like, then if this is the state of your division, don't do it right right now. Like or
0: if you're not going to. It's fine, so put the the lesser names, no offense to them in it, but let them really showcase stuff, right? But Or so, at
1: least put them up against like some worthwhile names other than Shayna Baszler.
0: And so so there's no major talent in this, right? No match has been longer than three and a half minutes. It's 100% like you're saying, it feels like an afterthought, right? And the only reason it's happening is so that they can avoid complaints about not having a women's tournament because there's a men's tournament. So the result is, I think, what you're saying, like, the laziest thing they could possibly do, right? We'll fill it with a bunch of women that nobody, haven't really done much. Just to say that, like, they're treating them equal. And then we'll just get it over with. Like, your match is a minute 25, go, right? Like, it's it's pretty insulting, I think. Right, I mean,
1: I don't know how well the King of the Ring is doing, but it at least seems better. Like, there's, like... Finn Balor versus Cesaro, and right. like, um, well, I mean, there's also Woods, Jinder Mahal. But and like, I
0: looked up balor Zane, so just to get an idea, their first round match got almost... No, that's... Sec- that's sorry, was it second round? That was, that's So their match, this. regardless, got almost as much time of all of the women's matches I listed combined. Because their match went like, went like 10 or 11 minutes, and all of these matches added together basically comes in around that. So it's clearly just they're ticking the box of yep we ran a women's tournament so you can't complain even we did though a it's garbage it is garbage um so the only other thing i have is came across that AEW owner Tony Khan has been crowned i don't know how prestigious this crown is the world's most loved billionaire according to the 2021 beloved billionaire 100 from money.co so i don't know how reputable this is but i, mean,
1: I think he does, probably doesn't have a lot of competition because I mean, well, Vince sucks. Well, um, Vince
0: is on the list. So that... Anyways, the comprehensive study found Tony Khan to be the world's most loved billionaire with a massive 33... Sorry, 38% of all social media mentions of the 38-year-old mogul being overly positive, more than any other person on the list. So I guess what they do is they look at all your mentions from social media and figure out what percentage of those are positive sort of posts, right? (laughs) So his are 38%, which still means... I will make
1: sure to mention Vince McMahon negatively whenever
0: I can. But that still means 62% of his mentions are not positive, right, when he's talked about. So that's that's one of the takeaways here. That
1: feels like the WWE... Chills though. So, Vince
0: McMahon somehow ranked seventh on this list. So, my question is, what does that say about billionaires if freaking Vince McMahon is the seventh most loved? It it also comes down to people know who he is, people talk about him a lot. How many of
1: his people are on Instagram mentioning him or whatever? You know what I mean?
0: And I hope that Vince hates that Tony Khan topped the list because that would make me happy, right? That it bothers him a little bit. And Tony Khan has more money overall because according to this, Vince is worth $2.1 billion, and Tony Khan is worth $8 billion. Woo. It's a ridiculous amount of dollars for anyone to have, but anyway. That's anyways. them
1: football cons.
0: That's right. So that is the only other thing I had. So I think news and rumors are done, yes? Yes, sir. So let's move into talking about
1: uh can we can we not that
0: show that we love i
1: think i will maybe push through for nxt to maybe after halloween havoc okay. i feel like at least that's a reasonable it is a reasonable
0: point. and maybe we're just gonna have fun complaining about things every week too i do like to complain i do but too at, <laughs> at
1: some point i have to stop myself i feel like
0: <laughs> well because you're more negative than i am and even though i love to complain so when you're really complaining i feel the need to try and balance it out of not no, be but, uh, <laughs> quite as hateful
1: i do like to com- I, I i don't know but it's getting to the point where like it's so bad i just want to i need to stop myself at some point like
0: (laughs) because you could complain about it forever and and
1: it's just like i think it's gonna hurt my mental state more and more (laughs) every week i watch
0: well in case you're wondering what we're referring to we're about to start talking about this week's episode of nxt 2.0 So the show starts out with Hit Row walking through the parking lot, I guess minus Ashanti Adonis, right? I don't even think I noticed at the time, but they pointed it out later that everybody yeah, but Yeah, they,
1: they mentioned it here too. They they mentioned it like a few times, I think.
0: So I don't know what they're thinking walking through the parking lot, right? Because that's a terrible idea. That's an awful idea. In Did NXT. they have luggage? I don't even remember. Oh, I don't know. But we do get Legato pulling up in their vehicle, so that is also the criteria, right? You have to be in your car. Right. So they basically attack and kidnap everybody in Hit Row except Swerve Scott who they sort of leave lying and Escobar is standing over him as he's sitting there and sort of wishes him luck tonight in their match. Then Escobar gets in the SUV and they drive away with the rest of Hit Row. Um, what did you think of this? I didn't even write down any thoughts on it. It was just a really quick open, right? It,
1: it, it, it was a thing. It was one of those weird little thingies that they do before the intro theme. Yes, and it, no explanation of fine. where
0: Ashanti is, I don't think, other than he's not there. No, and I, I
1: think he's just smart, and that's why he's not here.
0: So I guess this was their final way to push this feud and to sort of maybe explain Hit Row not being there to run interference and whatnot later in the match. So I guess it was fine. I don't know. We then get Joe Gacy is in the ring, um he says that with the NXT championship comes untold unbalanced. So tonight in this safe space, so if you want it. Gacy says he'll be victorious over that walking example of toxic masculinity and championship privilege. He says he represents all of his snowflakes and will bring transparent inclusivity when he gets into the NXT championship match at Halloween Havoc. Cause if he beats um champa tonight he's in added to that match right Um, so he's saying that he uh, sorry um and i guess that was the end of his promo what did you think of? i
1: I didn't love it it was just another promo. he doesn't really say anything new every time it is getting a bit
0: repetitive i don't disagree
1: it was fine but not great
0: so and also calling the people that he represents snowflakes i think is insulting right to them so i'm not sure i'm not sure what to think because maybe that's an intentional like he's in he doesn't really represent the people he says he represents and he actually sort of dislikes them or or whatever
1: vince is an ass and this is this whole thing's supposed to be offensive i I don't know
0: but other than that he is basically saying the same thing he said to champa last week and i think what you're saying too right he needs to sort of keep evolving this character or it's gonna get stale pretty quickly like
1: but honestly i don't like it that much i don't even care if he does i just want it to go away at least
0: i think i don't Mind his stuff as much as some people, and then no, he's actually okay it. in the ring, yeah. too. So, um, I like Gacy a little bit, although I don't know where this gimmick is going, and I have little faith it that does, they'll play it well.
1: Right? It, it doesn't feel like something that's really gonna take off or that they will care about, right? On the, especially if it, or maybe it'll get organically over. I don't even think it will because it seems to be pretty controversial, yeah. But then that would probably kill off the gimmick. So, I actually kind of hope that it gets <laughs> organically over and then they just kill yeah
0: I'm still on the fence with it right I think there's some interesting directions they could go with his character and I liked the when because my interpretation that he was trying to be this guy but then he snapped in the middle of his match but I don't know if that's the angle they're going with so I think there's some interesting routes to go I just don't think they'll probably choose one of them you know what I mean right so Joe Gacy is taking on Tommaso Ciampa here and it's a non-title match, but again, if Gacy wins, he's added to the NXT title match that's coming up in two weeks. So Champa kicks away Gacy's attempt to hand uh, shake hands before the match starts. And then we get strikes by Champa and a short arm clothesline. Gacy hits a body block for a cover for a one count. Gacy hits a backbreaker for another one count, and then they they flash to um, what are they calling him Harlan, standing right. in the crowd, looking kind of like stupid, he looking did- kind of like. Um, Oh, the big guy with the freak accident. Sullivan. Lars- there you go. Looking a nah, bit Lars Sullivan. He, he looks worse. Maybe. Um, so he's staring at the ring basically. This uh, momentarily distracts Gacy. So Champa takes over with chops and stomps in the corner. We get a running knee to Gacy's head, and Gacy has to escape to the outside. He hesitates to run Champa into the announce table for a second, it looked like. So I don't know if we were supposed to pick up on that. Like he wanted to do it, but he didn't, and then that allows Champa to sort of capitalize. Harlan again is watching as Ciampa's chopping Gacy, whipping him across the, the ring into the ropes, but then Gacy uh, sort of gets a back elbow in there. We get Gacy with a splash in the corner, a spinning uranage, and a cover for a two count. We get the lovely, beloved, forever clothesline spot by Champa after a commercial break. The air raid crash is escaped by Gacy, and we get a strike exchange with some boots and knees as well. Gacy misses a second rope room moonsault, but counters the fairy tale ending into a roll up for a two count. Gacy tries for his springboard handstand clothesline finisher. I think. Oh, uh, handspring. Right, but Champa shuts it down and hits his fairy tale ending for the win after almost about eleven minutes, which by NXT 2.0 it might as well be half an hour, right? So, uh, what did you think of? Oh, sorry, at the end, sorry. By
1: NXT 2.0, Sam, it is an Iron Man match. Yes,
0: Harlan takes out Champa on the ramp. Uh, grabs Gacy by the throat, and then Gacy like reaches out and strokes Harlan's like, cheek, his face. Yeah. and the crowd chants, "Who are you?" to Harlan, and Harlan just leaves. Right, he just runs off. So I uh, I don't know. And then Gacy looks like he's trying to help Champa or befriend him, but Champa knocks him down and then leaves. What did you think of this whole
1: shebang? Shebang. Uh, I thought it was a fine match, I guess. Nothing super notable, or interesting. I don't care about the result because it affects nothing. It means nothing accomplish nothing um at least gacy winning would have been interesting but um that wasn't gonna happen it's too short to really get going much like many matches NXT, despite being one of the longest matches probably. it is a lengthy one for them um I don't even know what Harlan's thing after was, but he looks like an idiot. He, he really also, does. He also looked like an idiot after he ran off after Casey caressed his face. Like he that's what act- I'm talking about. Right? No, he actually looks like an idiot, and then they made him look like an idiot as well. Oh, like I mean? he like, physically,
0: appearance-wise, looks bad. His appearance looks bad, and then bad, his and reaction then was bad too. That
1: it just confused me and also looks stupid.
0: I guess in the lo- is if you, they're gonna say we're building suspense, but like I'm not really. Do looking I for- care? Right? I'm <laughs> not. So, I thought the match was pretty good. A decent showing for Gacy, right? He's one of the new ones um, that he can actually wrestle a little bit. So, my criticism, main criticism, would be that he got too much in this, right? Because he's still sort of the new inexperienced talent facing the grizzled veteran of a well, champion. He's
1: an indie experienced guy. But I
0: don't think they want us to know that necessarily. I guess. But so. we know that, right? So, I think it was a solid TV match and a decent opener for NXT 2.0, especially. Um, I don't think it. Should be a surprise that it involved one of the few guys that has a lot of actual wrestling experience, right? So they're smart enough to go, this guy's actually wrestled a bunch so we can give him 10 minutes. Because we'll see how long most of the other matches on this show are. Take a wild guess. we will see There's like a favorite number, it feels like. (laughs) Three. That is correct. Nice. The aftermath was not an impressive debut for Harlan, I don't think, either. He didn't seem very intimidating, right? And he's easily controlled by, like, a light caress of the face, so... Or
1: it's like he was freaked out, but, like, still, it's like, I don't know, it's just weird.
0: And do we need another new guy introduced, right? Like, can we just...
1: Yeah, this is a really bad debut for him. Why not point.
0: let us learn something, anything, anything about, about anyone else? like the half dozen or eight guys or whatever that you've introduced in the past few weeks? Like, just yeah. slow down a little and bit.
1: And not even new guys, but do we really need another new big guy? Like, you already have stupid Braun Breaker. I guess Ridge Holland's on the way out. But... Yeah,
0: and I don't think Braun Breaker's really that tall, where this Harlan guy seems much more imposing i would guess i don't know but i agree with you (laughs) It certainly didn't look imposing it doesn't look good and it's not um like an interesting suspenseful to me i'll watch it like we're going to be watching it and i'll be somewhat interested because i assume it'll be a joke right like that's why we're tuning in next week folks uh so then of course we get the stars of nxt 2.0 toxic attraction have to come out And Gacy, I'd made a note here, is kind of still in the ring, so it's that bleeding of segments kind of into each other, which I actually don't mind that.
1: I don't, but I feel like it it just didn't... They did, like, a lot here, and it, I don't know, for some reason here, it just didn't really work for me. Like, this was fine, I guess, because... Yeah, they're...
0: Because there's no interaction there, and maybe at some point there will be when things bleed they, over. They, so
1: They bleed this into the, ne- the next match, and that just felt like they're just kind of mashing it together. Yeah, you know I mean? it
0: almost feels like a house show, right? Like, right. The next one's coming out as you're leaving, because we just fill in the, the time. Um. So Gigi Dolan says that Toxic Attraction came out last week with one purpose, to put an end to Raquel Gonzalez. But Io and Zoe wanted to come out and play hero and ruin their fun, so they were unsatisfied. JC then says if Eo and Zoe want to lead the division by example and play with play by the rules, Toxic Attraction couldn't care less about those rules. They do want They do what they want when they want, and what they want are the NXT women's tag team championships. And they tell EO and Zoe their days as champions are numbered. I think that logic is
1: flawed because if they take what they want when they want it, didn't they want the titles last time they challenged?
0: And they don't want them until a couple of weeks from now. Right, right. <laughs> so they're going to take them at Halloween Havoc, we're right. told. No,
1: Mandy Rose didn't want the title last, like when she held the title. Now a couple she weeks does. Ago. No. No, in a couple weeks. Right, okay. in a couple all
0: weeks. Right. She's going to let it build. Right. So Mandy says they won't be the only one successful at Halloween Havoc because she's challenging Raquel Gonzalez uh, for the NXT uh, Women's Championship at that show. Sad. Raquel, she says, got lucky last week, but at Halloween Havoc, Toxic Attraction will all be wearing gold. And she says it doesn't matter what color hair Mandy has. She's still the baddest bitch in the game.
1: She does suck, so that is accurate.
0: What would you think about your weekly dose of toxic attraction?
1: Unfortunately, I don't think that's the bad she's going for, but she does suck. Um, I thought uh JC Jane's hair looks better. It looks a little more brown like cuz I feel like last week is like that really unnatural black color. Yeah. Like uh Cody b- before that dog collar match with You're Cody a heel darken your hair. Let's go. Right. But it was like um well Cody was not heel but like it's like um he's always been a nat- in heel don't kid yourself <laughs> rather, rather than in like a natural black it's like it's just like really like just looks off yeah um but now it looks like more brown and more natural it looks like she has some highlights this shows so awful like this is what I have to uh direct my attention to Your, their hair yeah uh Mandy looks better too as it looks like she showered with actual shampoo rather than maple <laughs> wow. syrup wow like her hair looks proper I guess um, I thought there's another crummy promo from these three. Their theme, their look, their members, their in ring work and their promo work is all terrible. Everything about them sucks. Wow. Um and they are getting at least one decent like segment per week, longer than at like least, yes. l- longer than like nu- numerous matches, even though they suck. The thought of all of them even challenging for the titles at Halloween Havoc makes me sick, let alone them actually winning. Which I think there's a small chance, but I, I think it's don't think like it medium chance.
0: I think, unfortunately, there's a chance that all the belts go to these three. And then, anyways, I'll talk about it. Should have been Dakota Kai. God damn it. So, somehow, this group manages to feel both completely contrived, but at the same time, completely basic and unimaginative, right? Like... They're the typical mean girl group that offer nothing new, really. This is one of the few character types that WWE uses for women, and it's just lazy I'm and surprised uninspired. They're all blonde, like you're a group of mean girls. Blonde. You think you're hotter than everybody. Go. Right. right? <laughs> I don't even think these three did a bad job with what they're given necessarily. I think they suck. I it's really don't like their promos. So unoriginal and so it doesn't really accomplish much. I see a better version of this in ROH with the allure, and I don't even think they're amazing. Because again, this gimmick has been done to death. But there's no. I don't no, think Mandy
1: Rose has ever been like a good promo.
0: There's just no depth to any anyone on this show, right? They're all just saying generic promos that don't really seem to be oh, yeah, directed we, at no, or focused. We have to focused. go back
1: to these old basic in stereotypical pro or uh characters so i I, this is one of the ones for women
0: again this show feels like it's not really for adults and me being an adult it's a bit of a disconnect for i don't even think it's for kids i think they think it's for i think they think it's for like the no they they, they, they definitely think it
1: is but it i can confirm it's definitely not
0: um so toxic attraction hasn't even left the ring yet before Zion Quinn comes out so, for his match,
1: right. This is the one that felt kind of right. Like I, it's fine they do that sometimes because I thought I thought they they did it a a bit before NXT 2.0. I remember like it. I I liked it. It works um, often, but I don't know. Here just felt too. It just didn't work here it, for me. And
0: then it's straight into a commercial break too. Uh, so we so come. So
1: like, why wouldn't you just right go right. to the I break? I think and, that was part of it for me. Now yeah. that you mentioned that.
0: We come back from the break we get a quick vignette about someone burying the past so they can start again at halloween havoc and it's basic gothic imagery here with shovels breaking ground an indistinguishable voice clearly somebody talking through a voice changer like Um, the
1: um remember the hacker yes on SmackDown. oh (laughs) my god that never i mean it was basically ollie with retribution but it wasn't like actually remember right that was oh my god
0: yeah so what did you think of this and do you have a prediction of who it is uh
1: i don't know i thought this was uh fine uh i don't i've i don't know i've heard that it's supposedly a debut but. i
0: think my guess i told you in the minute in the moment was ember moon right because they've been hinting at this oh she needs to get more aggressive and she needs to sort of i don't think change her image I,
1: she did just job to she did but Mandy that's why she me.
0: needs to repackage
1: no but she should they like started with the repackage before that and then she just came back normally so, so maybe I it's like time I feel like they would have just kept her off TV.
0: But the way this show's running, it seems like your uh, thought that it's somebody new is more likely because they just keep throwing people or at us, right? So maybe it's someone
1: like coming, someone else coming back to NXT. I can't particularly Gina think of anyone. Yes. No. no she wouldn't it, be doing she's the in gothic. The tournament.
0: I thought the gothic stuff was kind of generic, I but I always like the dark things. I think things.
1: that might just be because it's on Halloween Havoc, and I it, it it, think it's just theme fitting. Um, And I also think it'd be kind of stupid if it was Emberman's return, because she returned like (gasps) last year at TakeOver. I know who it is. Who?
0: Shotzi Blackheart. She's coming back. She's going to host. She just had her tag team separate. She got drafted to whatever show. Uh Uh-oh. That's going to upset you. That's so... Because really, because who's going to host it this year? Who's like a spooky person that they could have host? Yeah,
1: but then like that is... Who's the the spookiest on NXT Why would not they just announce that? Because that's not really like much of a return. I'm if you were coming back to the rest, oh god. part of that was just trying to oh, make you suffer right, but it makes right, sense right. too
0: and then ember moon can re and then they're back to right tag back teaming, in tag team and
1: then they get to face toxic attraction exactly and I can they get the job a to hole. toxic attraction because oh, they're yeah. amazing no i if that match happens if i get moon and Shotzi versus toxic attraction i will literally go die in a hole because that is just <laughs> terrible That's, so we'll see who it is so like, crazy it might just work
0: i guess there's a little bit of intrigue because it's like who is this person and i so i didn't hate this to be honest honest among the things on this show it was not the worst <laughs> shall we say we then get the zion quinn malik blade super mega match that's amazing of course i've been waiting
1: for this for weeks
0: so we get a shoulder tackle and a body slam to take a drink <laughs> <laughs> that's our new drinking game is every time these people execute a body slam to circa God, 1985 to have yes, a drink their
1: new favorite move is a body slam
0: um, we get punch and corner spears by quinn Hard Irish whip question mark for a Quinn near fall like Like that's a near fall spot now yeah Yeah, yeah. um chin lock by Quinn drop kick well Malik
1: Blade is a tough opponent so it's gonna take a lot (laughs) for him to get to a near fall
0: drop kick by Blade Miz corner clothesline before a missile drop kick for two and that's the end of his offense choke slam and the running forearm and Zion Quinn wins in under three minutes Oh, yeah. Talk about this three-minute match. Go. Try Um, and say something about it. Okay. Uh, He
1: hardly (laughs) did anything that cool or anything that would indicate skill. He just did a bunch of generic stuff. Correct. uh, Just a lame power stuff. And the fact that he calls that running form a finisher is laughable and also embarrassing. It looks about as effective as me running and hanging in the face with the pillow. Yes. And I mean, even carrying cross did it better. And that is saying wow. something, okay? Zion even Quinn, carrying I'm cross sorry. did it better. I'm okay? sorry, Zion. Like it's literally like he just runs and puts his forearm up yeah. and you just it kind of just runs in your face. There's no like force to it at all. I mean carrying crosses has a little bit of a And force. I think
0: that's a sign of how inexperienced this guy is because it's like you can't you're this big strong dude and we can't trust to give you a power finisher. You just hit a running forearm. Like it I think that's so... probably a sign of how green, as they say, right.
1: right? And I don't even know if it's like I guess it's, like it's the epitome of a running forearm, so just running and putting your forearm yes. like at, at face level and then just continuing moving forward. Like that's it's right. not even, like you're like it's not even like you're running; and you're like cocking back. No, and, it's like... just
0: it's just got his arm there and he runs right. through you.
1: Yes, exactly. It's um, so stupid.
0: This is the new standard NXT match, right? Three minutes, basic moves. One flurry for the jobber, finishing move pin. This feels like it's like um. That's what we're getting.
1: Uh, WWF Superstars or something with like the a little bit squash right? matches or yep. something like or like just like pre-Raw programming. Even early Raw like had a lot of this, but yes. like just like before WWE had like their a flagship show. Uh, this. Was feels like, it feels like that kind of stuff like wrestling challenge and like, I don't mind a squash you know match I mean? if it's
0: one guy showcasing the stuff he can do but when the stuff you can do is the stuff <laughs> right, you like learn this in your like
1: Tony D'Angelo for me like when right. they really can't do a lot, and I will this will come up again later because this is not the only squash here no this will come um, up again later it 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 just really accomplishes nothing
0: no I don't nobody gets much out of this I'm again I'm
1: really tired of these stupid finishers that are just like mediocre best. i am mean, i was literally saying that one day i could like you just there there are a few key criteria points you need for an next two point finisher it needs to be a mediocre move you need to make it look it, it just needs to have like some sort of a minute amount of effect and like i don't know it just none of the these people's finishers are that any good because they're not ready right? right so
0: we're watching inexperienced wrestler getting their reps in and trying to get better even braun breakers move, which is stuff. like a
1: it's like the military person of a power slam. That's just like essentially a power slam. Like it just looks cooler,
0: I guess. But at least it's a little bit complicated. Like they're not letting Zion Quinn do that right now, right? right. So because uh-huh. Breaker's actually been wrestling for a little bit longer in training. So anyways, it was what we're going to get on this show. So Mackenzie then asked Tommaso Champa about his match with Braun Breaker at Halloween Havoc. Champa doesn't know what to think about Gacy, but it doesn't matter. He's dialed in to Breaker at this point. He then starts to speak some more, but the grizzled young veterans come in, mock him a little bit, and then say they can't wait to see him lose to a rookie in Braun Breaker. Breaker then comes to Champa's defense, and the grizzled young veterans sort of back away. Breaker says he's standing by Champa's side until Halloween Havoc because he wants to beat him at his best because Braun Breaker's the classic babyface right now, right?
1: What do you mean? I've never heard that before.
0: Where it's like, I want the best version of you to face.
1: Have, Have they done that before? Never. It's uh, a brand new thing in wrestling. Okay. What did you yeah, think of this I little I felt pretty new. segment? I can't believe they're mo- about to make Grizzly Young veterans lose to a non-tag team where <laughs> half of the tag team is Braun Breaker. Um, that is very stupid and it seems no one can get through anything anymore without an interruption. Right. Like, it's, impact it's, wrestling. it's
0: Impact Wrestling. Uh, this was fine, I guess. I think they're better. And they're really protecting Breaker, right? They're now putting him in a match with three good wrestling veterans. While the other new NXT talent are sort of facing... I
1: mean, Champa and... Gibbs other jobbers. Good, but James Drake's there, so I think Braun right. Breaker will be fine.
0: Um, so I don't like the feeling that the Grizzled Young Veterans are just kind of involved to help elevate Breaker, and there's no more Especially depth. Especially Breaker. Like, there's no more depth to the story than that, basically, right? Um, but that's what this show's about, right? Braun Breaker, Toxic Attraction, and just as an add-in, I still don't really like Champa in this role, right? Like, Champa being the, like... I don't know the the nice veteran looking to just take on all comers like it, that's not the champa uh, I want.
1: Yeah, that that's another reason I'm still mad that Dunn didn't win the titles. This is not the champa nope. that was cool as champion this is literally the opposite i want of that the sicilian
0: champion. psychopath right like this version of fr- right and now as like champion. a pet
1: name for it. right. like it's like that it used to have like it was like it was he his was obsession so obs- right like an unnatural and now obsession it's just like, and now it's, it's like, like a, i like having it right yeah, it, yeah it's
0: <laughs> it's this, my buddy this
1: is my little friend gold right. like uh, it's just it's so dumb now and i don't know i guess I mean I like if Dunn's stuck here, so he I I would like him to at least be champion. Cause yeah. It's different if he was on his way out, but like now I know he's stuck here, so I want him at least on top. But and it's
0: like Champa has to assume this rule to help put over the young guys, and I it's just that's not what I would have. Especially him Especially
1: because Braun Breaker's a baby face. Right. Have Champa like be a freaking right. coward heel? No. That almost might help Breaker more.
0: Anyways, it's all good stuff. So Ivy Nile makes her entrance. She does like a slow control dip in the corner, which I thought was a kind of unique corner yeah. whatever Oh, yeah. Thing. And so I know. She looks super cool, yeah. I have to say. And so
1: my, I wrote this down when she was entering. So she gets her own theme, but Tyler Russ didn't get to use his one. He was in Diamond Mind. How dare they? So I see how to... That, and he had his own theme already. He had one. <laughs> Getting upset. he had a singles match against Bobby Fish. I understand when he was tagging with Roderick Strong, yep. they'd use the faction theme. But he had a singles match against Bobby Fish, and he already had his own theme. This is a new theme, so this is unfair.
0: How dare are they
1: Yeah, and so his theme is much better
0: so then we get some more talk from the commentary table of the edge seth rollins oh and God. main roster talking points and it's gross and i don't Hell want it cell. i liked when i could just forget that this was even a wwe show right it's just nxt and i love it <laughs> it's, not, it's like and now it's I just swear to God, God,
1: one of the main parts of like the first half of the show is talking point about main roster yep they
0: have to insert it seems like there's right. a certain time now where like, that's what we're gonna get
1: watch next time edge is challenging for a title beth what are your thoughts on edge challenging right. for the and it's also weird because she refers to him as adam yes which i feel like that's kind of pulling the curtain mac a little bit
0: <laughs> Ooh. so swerve is backstage with Mackenzie. Who says no one has seen or heard from Ashanti yet, which why? doesn't really seem to go anywhere, right? Like
1: Right. Yeah, like why is this such a talking point? I don't
0: know. So Swerve says his people are soldiers and they'll want Swerve to focus on Santos. Santos is trying to bring the demon out of him and it's worked. He promises he's taking the North American title to SmackDown, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Your thoughts.
1: Well that's kinda stupid because it's literally got the title's got NXT in its name, but whatever. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a solid promo. It was fine. Yeah, that, I, that's pretty much it. I thought it was
0: good, and he got some nice intensity, especially near the end. But it, it seems a little bit odd that he's doing nothing about his kidnapped friends, right? <laughs> and he's just continuing to focus on his match, which seems a bit strange like, to me. Rather
1: than I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna find my friends. No, you made me angry.
0: I know that they would want me to not worry about them being abducted and to focus on. Oh, you really? You, do you their preference doesn't become their freedom becomes still you defending your belt <laughs> but anyways um i thought the promo itself was good especially when he got kind of serious near the end we then get <laughs> ivy nile making her in-ring debut taking on valentina faraz right i believe it was i
1: also don't really like the rapid use of the same jobbers like i know malik blade just jobbed i think to tony june last week and i'm fine with them using jobbers but i don't like like he just lost i feel i don't want to see like the same job doing in like the um, the immediately the week after I right. want like at least a change up in Mix the driver lineup. If they're least.
0: gonna do nothing, you could have anyone do nothing. You could right. put in it doesn't,
1: it doesn't have to Malik Blade every time.
0: Uh, we get some grappling to start a missile drop kick, that doesn't take Nile off her feet. Nile then catches a cross body, turns it into a delayed vertical suplex, which was pretty impressive. Ivy then is sort of standing on Faraz's neck in the corner. A bit later, we get a body slam, take a drink by Ivy <laughs> Nile, and then there's remember this this was amazing <laughs> yeah. so um Faraz's or sorry not Faraz's Ivy's finisher is going to be the torture rack a la Lex Luger right
1: but it was the bad so
0: they have a moment where she she gets Faraz up but then they realize that Faraz is going to be in like a fireman's carry position instead of flip the other way the so they litera- they literally have to like fix that and go back to it, sort of, and get her up facing the proper way. So it was a pretty unfortunate mistake that there was no way to hide it, right? Like, dude, you're supposed to be facing the other way. Put me back down and pick me back up again. So, I right, like, no, it
1: was weird, because so Faraz was elbowing her to get out of the fireman's carriage, yeah. but then just... She just flips over. onto her back.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So Faraz taps out in less than, take a guess. Three minutes. Three minutes. Maybe three minute warning. That's the whole, that we're building <gasps> to them coming back.
1: Yes. Umaga back from the dead. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yo, I would, yes. And William, that'll be William Regal's return to will Manage Umanga.
0: You heard it here first. Yes. <laughs> three minute warning's coming. Because they're tired <laughs> of every match being three minutes. Right? Of <laughs> uh, You're basically summoning them. It's like um, Beetlejuice. Not that you've seen that, but... You've summoned three in the So, what'd you think of this banger of a match? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess Ivy you know, looked fine, but again, like Quinn, she didn't do anything. She looks super cool. cool. No, I mean, and the I delayed thought, Vertical up front. The... Yeah, but I thought the finisher was really boring. Um, because like it was a torture rack, but it was like it was super slow and like. Just like at least Luger, he would like kind of like he was holding. Him. Yeah. He was like kind of jumping up to like, but then and then like she was trying to force her hands together, which I guess is kind of a cool visual. But she could never actually do it, like that. Just and it's she not strapped realistic. it on upside
0: down to start was a right. problem. And
1: it it would just felt really like a boring finish to me. Um, and then I I'll talk about the promo I guess after. But.
0: Um, so I could basically just copy and paste my notes from the Zion Quinn match, right? Like. Mostly a squash, the other person gets a little bit in, and then it's over. And I mean, Ivy's clearly a powerhouse, and she has a great look, but she's obviously inexperienced and is just relying on a few power spots for now. But sadly, even just her relying on a couple power spots puts her ahead of some other people, right, who don't even seem to be able to do that. So it was another standard NXT three-minute match. So after the match, uh, Malcolm Bivens gets a chance to speak, He says that that was a message, that match that just happened, to every woman here. And he says the pit bull has been unleashed. Ivy Nile is here and she didn't come to play, nor have the Creed brothers who are putting in work day in and day out. He calls them the most dominant tag team in NXT today before moving on to the cruiserweight champion Roderick Strong. Strong grabs the mic. Uh Uh-oh. He starts to speak, but then, thankfully, Icham and Jiro's music plays to stop Roddy from displaying his anti-charisma. I was pretty happy
1: when he came out, but haha, foolish me.
0: Jiro slides into the ring, and one of the creeds gets a mic and asks if Jiro is for real. It was Julius. He says, in the diamond mind, every diamond mine, everything is earned, and he's always ready. So what is Jiro going to do about it? Jiro decks uh, Creed and slides out of the ring. Um, what did you think of this segment?
1: Um, I thought the aftermath promo was whatever. I don't like a possible Giro's-Julius Creed match. Cause I don't think either of them should lose because it would be Creed's singles debut and Giro's jobbed enough. And I <laughs> think Giro should only have lost if he was challenge- if he was going to challenge strong, which yeah. I thought was going to happen. Wait till I give you my thoughts why on I was this. happy about this. But...
0: And how smart I am. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> so I think Bivens continues to be a solid mouthpiece, right? That we knew he would be if they just gave him a chance. They seem to take... A very long time to get this point for some reason stopping Roderick Strong from speaking is always a good idea and here's where I'm a genius ready it feels like this might actually get Jiro a win before losing a title match to Roderick Strong so I thought oh cool Jiro's gonna beat a tag team a rookie tag team guy on his own get a win face Roddy and obviously lose, but that's okay. At least Jiro can finally Giro's get a win. He's a veteran, he has to win. So lose. that is that's why I'm smart, right? Cuz obviously that's what's going to happen.
1: That is obviously what's going to happen. That is so logical that it would have to happen. So
0: I, I thought this segment was fine and I'm glad to see see Jiro cuz at this point I'm pretty confident. All right, the man's going to get a win, right? Like I anyways, we'll, we'll get there. So then we get the matches made. It's Jiro versus Julius Creed. Um they tell us that the match was officially made during the commercial break cuz matches are just made willy-nilly by any means necessary at this point in nxt
1: people power hat
0: oh my god so creed dominates with his power throws jiro around early we get a power slam by creed does that count for take a drink no i think uh, that...
1: no it has to be body samples right. don't have we a get drink. a delayed gut wrench I-, I wish i had a drink though
0: by creed up kicks by jiro another suplex by creed missed elbow drop turns the tide and the jet we get the flurry of jacket shots from jiro that takes him down finally We get a handstand corner splash by Jiro for two, a moonsault to the outside by Jiro, and the crowd really does seem to respond to him, right? Uh, Jiro then gets caught and slammed before the diving basement clothesline for the Creed win after just over... Three minutes. Correct! Um, so Diamond Mine assault Jiro as a group after the match, but Kushida runs down to help. He takes out everyone until he nearly hits Ivy, and then that stops him momentarily, and Diamond Mine take over, numbers game, am I right? And yes, they And they leave Kushida lying as their theme plays to end the segment. What would you think of this match that I was clearly right in tune with, right?
1: Yes, um, <laughs> you were so right that it actually didn't happen. Right um so no giro versus strong i assume and giro takes another loss great exactly what i wanted at least julius i guess looked pretty good in his offense on like the other two enhancement matches on the show but i still don't love this because he like he looks fine but yep. i don't love his finish either because it's like i don't know it's like a mediocre slam and then a basement lariat again yep. just like you really don't need to be cre- that creative in your finisher no not to- at
0: all well i mean he's not doing it standing he's so that's crazy creative He's sliding into that's, that's a guy true. who's that's on true. the mat. Like, who's done that?
1: Um, the aftermath is unimportant. Like, good to see Kushida, I guess. But I, I don't get... They're, pro- they're probably just going to drop to the Creed brothers. Who am I kidding?
0: Again, you can just pretty much copy and paste my comments from the previous two matches, right? Jiro maybe got a little bit more offense than the usual three-minute match for the guy that's going to lose. And, again, Creed looks aggressive and he has a lot of kind of cool throws and suplexes. But so much for Jiro actually getting a win, right? I was hoping... My thought was he's going to get dominated, but somehow he's ah. going to he's going to pull out a win and outsmart Diamond Mine. Right. And that that could lead to them him facing Roddy and Roddy That's beating funny. him and whatever. But no. So the aftermath was just a standard beat down and run in that happens a lot in most wrestling show these days. So it doesn't really get. A reaction from me much anymore aew sort of made me numb to the post-match running and beat down right so
1: especially on the show full nonsense
0: right uh raquel gonzalez now gets her chance to speak she says her title means she's the queen of the mountain she's never ducked or dodged any champion taking out champions her former best friend and future hall of famers she tells mandy that it's on for halloween half havoc but it has to be in the spin the wheel make the deal which seems really tacked on there all of a sudden but anyways what'd you think of gonzalez here
1: well i mean i guess that's the Halloween habit it is well. right yes but um i wonder if mandy will have a sudden hatred of wheels
0: she might because that's johnny gargano right who's, exactly. di- who's disappeared a little bit right. here
1: yeah i heard he's yeah his contract's supposed to Dis- be up early
0: december they can just keep him off tv and away he goes but yes, anyways sir.
1: Uh, uh yay oh wait no i don't want to see this match um and Raquel didn't have to say they would spin the wheel. It's kind of obvious it'll happen for some of the title matches. They could just announce it because I feel like that's m- a more natural way of doing things for the them just to announce it on commentary or something. Right. Like, I don't know. I feel like we're like, we going to do it. In spin the wheel, make the deal Right.
0: That she cares so much about that seems forced a little bit, right? Right. I thought it was a good promo by her, and I'm surprised she's kind of still in NXT because she's gotten so much better in the past year or whatever, maybe a bit more and I think she stands out even more now that so much of the talent is really inexperienced. I'm kind of intrigued by the match because it could go either way, right? Like Gonzalez is good, but I don't know if she's good enough to carry somebody. And I think Rose is a little bit better than you think she is. But this match could either be like, oh, wow, like they, you know, that was kind of impressive. That was a good match. Or it or could go real bad. Or literally barf. Because then it's like, Ooh. Gonzalez is not ready to sort of elevate somebody, right, that needs it kind of thing. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm a little bit intrigued. I
1: don't think Mandy Rose should elevate someone because she's, like, supposed to be, like, she's, like, older than Raquel and technically more experienced. It's kind of weird that That Raquel would be the one elevating, but I guess if it's going to go... If someone's elevating someone, it's probably Raquel elevating Mandy. Yes, because Vince
0: just goes, look at Mandy Rose. Look at her. Look at her. She's a star. Look at her.
1: Well, and because Raquel is better. So, like, I don't think Mandy has the capabilities to elevate anyone. No, probably
0: not. So, we then see Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner as they make their entrance before we head to a commercial break. And we come back to lashing out with Lash Legend. My goodness.
1: (gasps) When I kind of listen to it... um. The opening theme is, the lyrics are so stupid.
0: I did not listen to it that closely.
1: I don't know, I just, like, I I just, like, as it was playing, I was kind of listening. It was just, like, some generic, like, I don't know, it was bad.
0: <laughs> so, uh she's getting straight to it. She brings up the WWE draft and says, Next year, it's just going to be called WWE Squid Games. So, timely reference. Ding! Right? Like, look, WWE no. is hip and cool, and they know what pop understand. culture is right t- now.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Squid Game looks stupid.
0: I'm going to end up watching it, uh, probably, but I think it's a... Uh, people seem to love it, so... I mean, yeah, I know the premise of it. I haven't watched it yet.
1: I don't even know, understand the premise. Anyways,
0: um, so they're just making a reference to something that's really popular right now, right? That's their It goal. is, yeah. So Lash reveals that Legends of the Week, of uh, this week, are hit row for being drafted to SmackDown. And she basically talks.
1: Didn't they mention that last week? So she's kind of behind. She
0: speaks highly of their theme song and gives it two snaps and a clap, which we're going to get a lot of. And it's. And then her studio audience is there, like just overreacting to everything. And I'm not sure if they think this is parody or if they think this. Like, I don't know what this is. But, anyways, so up next is the lashing out of the week. And she takes suggestions with one person mentioning Tony D'Angelo wanting was the producer, I want to, right, to get on the show. Lash says, "Forget about it," and that was it. the segment that you loved? Question mark. Talk um, to me.
1: So whoever came up with this, anyone who signed off on this, and whoever wrote this—they are all completely brain dead. Which is my mental state after watching this. Wow. Uh, that is all. This is a bunch of rambling, nonsensical crap. And again, she's just shifting to bunch of random things, a timely yes. reference to show she's hip, and again, stereotypical, sassy black woman.
0: And we haven't talked about this at all, but this I thought was really bad too. It's a really short segment, she switched topic many times, and none of them right. were it's interesting. So sharp, but it's
1: just so like all over the place, and none of it
0: matters. And the ridiculous audience made it worse. So the audience
1: I, makes it worse, absolutely. And
0: again, WWE worked in their We Are So Current Squid Game reference, they shoehorned that in. And then some more main roster talking points, WWE draft, right? Um, So, if I thought that WWE thought this was parody, then maybe I'd give it a chance. But so far, I don't think they do. Like, I think they think this is like a segment. Um, And they're a waste of time. Like, I try to be not really mean or negative, but this is a waste of my time. Yeah. Basically. For sure. So, already in the ring, Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland taking on Vaughn, Wagner, and Kyle O'Reilly. So Wagner dominates Dunn early, and Dunn has to escape to the ropes. And I have like exclamation mark question mark because why is Pete Dunn begging off early offense from this guy? Right, like that's not the character of Pete Dunn. We've been so the baddest man in wrestling or whatever is escaping to the ropes in the first forty seconds of a match against a rookie. So not cool with that. Yeah, I really don't like probably being a little bit. I love Pete Dunn
1: and I hate. Wagner.
0: So anyways, Dunn goes for a Kimura, but Wagner counters with a suplex and a headbutt. O'Reilly's in, lands a knee that forces Pete Dunn to tag out. So Kyle snaps Holland's arm over his shoulder, but Holland hits an overhead belly to belly. Dunn keeps control of O'Reilly and the heels isolate Kyle and make several tags while focusing on his leg. Kyle eventually fights out, lands some kicks to Dunn, followed by a running forearm. We get a strike exchange. Both men tag out, so we're left with the Haas fight now. They run the ropes and collide before Wagner takes Holland out with a diving shoulder tackle. Wagner sends Holland into the step shoulder first. We come back from a commercial. Holland is squeezing Kyle O'Reilly's traps as uh, Kyle's sort of seated on the mat. Kyle gets a guillotine applied, but Holland tags out, slams Kyle before a basement drop kick by Dunn. Kyle gets a chance to tag, but Wagner is still back in the corner. I think the point is, like, can Kyle trust this guy? Is he really there when he needs him sort of thing, right? Because Kyle's still skeptical about Von Wagner. Mr. Personality, yes, as we'll call him. who cares? O'Reilly counters a, a Dunn kick into an ankle lock, but Dunn tags out, and Holland beats down Kyle, throws him out of the ring. Re- O'Reilly's about to take a move on the floor when Wagner runs over to take both of the heels out. So he's back just in time. We can trust him. This allows Kyle to get back in the ring. Hot tag to Wagner. He dominates Holland with a jumping knee and an angle slam, I think it was. Dunn tries to help, but Wagner kicks him out of the ring. Kyle takes out Dunn on the floor with a flying knee from the apron. And then Wagner hits his double underhook twisting finisher to Holland for the win. And just under an epically long 13 minutes this match got. So Kyle and Wagner celebrate. As I guess now the idea is that Vaughn Wagner has earned Kyle's respect, and I feel like this is a tag team going forward. What did you think?
1: Yeah, they posted on Instagram. Is this is the NXT's next dominant tag oh team, boy. No. Uh Wagner looked lame, just a bunch of basic crap like shoulder tackles and clotheslines and whatnot. His finisher is pretty me- mini- mediocre as well, which, oh yeah, he's fitting in perfectly then. Uh, I'm just happy Dunn didn't take the pin because it's another black match. Uh, they not wrestle on the show, and the tag matches I find more and more I watch, they get pretty formulaic
0: they do and it's like this match was decent i thought but again the veterans in here who are actually good at this they feel like an afterthought right they're not not the focus the people who can actually wrestle and are good they're not the focus of this so it makes sense to have holland take the pin on his way out obviously he's been drafted and they're just waiting for him to go and i guess it makes sense for wagner to get whatever he can out of pinning ridge holland so I don't really think there was anything wrong with this match. It's just that nothing really seems to matter on these shows, right? No characters or stories really have any depth. When things move this quickly and so many people are introduced at once, That and there's no time for us to get to know any of them, so all we know is that these people exist and that's basically it. Any characters we once knew and cared about, are now just there to prop up these new people that we don't really care about and don't seem to be getting any more developed for us. So I actually think Holland is actually pretty good now. So maybe there's hope for this developmental system because he kind of, I'm trying to be positive, right? He came through this system and I actually, I know you don't love him at all, but I think he's actually pretty decent at this point. And I mean, to be fair, it's not like he started in NXT. He was over in NXT UK for a bit, right? But so I thought the match was decent, but I'm just tired of like the guys that I really like and that can really wrestle just kind of being there, not really doing a whole lot.
1: Right, Pete Dunn is one of the prime examples because I love him and he can wrestle very much.
0: He can. So we go to Andre Chase University and his lesson... One of the
1: only things I don't hate on the show. His
0: lesson is on ring awareness. He points out that he cost uh, Odyssey Jones a match last week saying that Jones should have put his foot on the ropes instead of sort of under them. And that basically Jones lacks the veteran skill to be in NXT. Yeah. Reasonable. Yes. A student named Brandon this time. It was Steven last time. Now it's Brandon who's basically like, isn't that illegal? And shouldn't that have been a disqualification? Talking about Chase shoving uh, Jones' foot back in the ring. Chase says he doesn't give a bleep and swears and tells Brandon (laughs) to get out and go hang with Steve in the dumbass room. Um, what you think of I this I actually segment?
1: thought the last bit was really funny. I, when I he just chuckle, loses his... I chuckled. He was like, I don't give up. And then he was like, why don't you go to the dumbass college? Like I actually thought that was pretty funny. Um, I thought this was pretty amusing again. It definitely has some potential. But again, they're, they're just placing it so low on the card. Right. I, I have very little faith in them.
0: Right. Uh, It still gives me Drew Gulak vibes, which I, d- I don't hate it so far either. So on a show where like...
1: I think he looks like... Drew Gulak, and then like I feel like this segment itself is kind of... It gives me the thatchers thatch can. It's a little bit of
0: both of those guys, yeah. So on a show where very little amuses me or entertains me, this kind of does, I'm not going to lie. I don't understand why anyone would enroll in his class, but this recurring thing where... He's flipping out on a student every week when they make reasonable points, right? Is is kind of working for me. And maybe yeah, that leads I, I find it pretty funny. Maybe that leads to them joining forces against him or something in the future, as this is a really seems to be a low card sort of gimmick. Uh and that's what I think. The character will never ascend high in the card, right? But it's kind of entertaining, like lower mid card, whatever thing for now on this generally really bad show. It's something I don't dislike completely. So mm-hmm. that's that's the that's, bar one. That's we're at, an accomplishment, right? Uh, So speaking of good stuff, Tony D'Angelo talks about his successful debut and he gives some (laughs) sort of a little bit of like sarcastic credit to Malik uh, Malik Blade, I guess, about remembering his name or sorry, without remembering his name. Um, He then talks about how he was booted from lashing out due to a scheduling conflict, according to the producer. But he says he does things on his own time anyway. He says the producer is a nice guy and then he walks away so he sorry I guess it's important that he was cutting this promo while leaning against the of the back of his car right and then as he walks away we hear somebody we're led to believe the producer is stuck in his trunk just to fulfill another sort of Italian mobster stereotype.
1: Uh, once again, it's a stupid, not a great promo. Um, And the, the like, that would get him arrested in real life. Like, this Well, yeah, but I mean that we can't really worry about it. I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. I just didn't. I still don't like it. So
0: this is our second abdu- abduction on this show, right? Like, how creative. Oh, yeah. Well, I <laughs> um, guess
1: it's not confirmed that Shanti's abducted, but...
0: Right, but the other ones were... What dollar and Bfab were abducted. Oh, were they abducted? I yeah. thought they just got attacked. They were thrown in the car and taken oh, away. I must have missed them. Yeah. Um, so I thought this was pretty bad again, which is on brand for this D'Angelo character. And the other thing that annoyed me is a commentary immediately had to tell us that it was the producer in the trunk, right? Because this goes to show I think this is the example of how unintelligent they assume the average fan is. He just talked about the producer. He just said the producer's a nice guy. And then we hear a voice in the trunk and commentary. I think that's the producer in the trunk. Like, just in case any of you idiots didn't catch it, right? So I find that insulting. And I don't know. Live crowds seem to enjoy this guy somewhat. But again, I'm not are there plants there are they sweetening the crowd i don't know but Uh, i can't yes and yes i can't stand anything about this this is one of those characters that is embarrassing right when if a non-wrestling fan walks in and sees this guy's segments they're like what are you watching and then
1: you just can't even justify you just have to sit there and look stupid it's
0: a throwback to an era that wrestling shouldn't be returning to right and i don't understand why they are but they are so then we get duke hudson versus grayson waller uh So Waller gets a decent reaction from the crowd, right? And we kind of like him for whatever reason. I can't even pinpoint why I like him, but I do.
1: I I just liked him from that showing he had against Strong. I thought that was really good. Yep.
0: So he gets a quick inset promo. He talks about being a boxer in Australia, and he says he's facing a poker player, and he's all in tonight. So early on, Waller's using his speed to avoid the much larger um, Duke Hudson. We get an arm drag and an arm hold by Waller before Hudson throws him across the ring with an overhead belly-to-belly. Waller, with a big forearm, goes for a springboard, but Hudson kicks the ropes, rolls up Waller for the win in
1: less than three minutes.
0: Two and a half minutes. Imagine. Go ahead, talk about this sub three-minute match Another again.
1: Another mediocre and true match. I thought the the finish was really crummy. Um, cause like Waller went for the springboard, and like um, so his fear like kicking against the ropes. But yeah. Um, Hudson does the same, and somehow that trips him up. Like, right. I feel like that would just launch him further, but it just it, it didn't like look realistic. Right. And then like it was just like a tights pin, which he didn't even like hook in that deep. No. And Waller dropped the Hutchin, which I think should be the other way around, if anything. But that's just I guess logical.
0: So, and that's the thing. Like you have a competitive match with Strong. And then you get killed in two minutes by Hudson. So what like what are we right. saying about Waller? It kinda
1: undoes the last match, right. I guess.
0: So another sub three minute match with a really lame finish, I thought. I like Waller and I don't mind Hudson, but this was a waste of time. And Waller gets a nice losing streak going, I guess, is the point. Like I don't I don't know. I don't understand this show, basically. Yeah legato mock swerve uh for hit rose abduction but santos escobar promises it's just them as the rest of legato will stay in the lo- in the locker room so i sure i kidnapped your group but my group's not coming down either so we're even i guess sure so
1: then you can forgive me for kidnapping you. right connection.
0: and he does because he's not really worried about it he's got to defend his belt and not worry about his kidnapped friends So, Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada, right, I think?
1: That's just a terrible name. They're in the
0: back, and Indy kisses Dexter's cheek before Persia says they need to get to the ring. And then in between them getting to the ring, we get Imperium speaking. So Bartel basically Because ha- they
1: can't just go to the ring. It has to like be cut off by something. It seems
0: to be the new technique, right? Um, Bartel basically hates MSK and that they're champions because they represent everything wrong with that generation. Imperium want the tag team titles, and the ring is sacred. What did you think of their little...
1: Um, I thought it was a pretty solid promo, actually. Um I think they sound much better and more um, menacing in their language. I, I it's agree. German, because I think Bartel is German. Yes, yeah, Bartel's,
0: uh, and I think, um, I don't, the other guy speaks a bunch of different I languages. Think I think be wrong. Italian. Yes. I,
1: he but I know, I know Bartel is German, so yes. that's my first guess. But, yep. Um... um
0: yeah. yeah I like the way this was shot too I thought it looked cool And man they are both in crazy shape Like Bartel has transformed Eichner's
1: always been pretty good and
0: Bartel has transformed his body significantly I also like the subtitles and the non-English speaking I think it adds to the intensity here and it, I would, it helps
1: them out a lot.
0: I would have no issue with these guys getting a run with the titles. Because, again, I say it all the time. MSK's title reign is, like, really forgettable to me. And these I guys don't...
1: were boring in their last one. Like, really boring. Yes. Like, I almost forgot they were champions. But, like, what other better option is there other than girls, Young Veterans? Right. Who are, going, are, are, who are about to drop DeBron Breaker. So. Right.
0: And I, I don't think MSK need the titles. And I think, like, it would really help Imperium's gimmick right now. Right? That they're they're the ring is sacred and they're all about professional wrestlings and and now they have the title another thing
1: is they already held the title so give them the girls young veterans but that's smart so it will not happen
0: right so i i don't know i i would love to see these guys get the championships and run with them for a bit because msk i'm kind of done with the msk experiment at least as champions
1: they're decent in the ring but like
0: i feel like their matches seem very similar all the time, and I just don't think the belts. I think
1: a lot of the tag matches next year formulaic, like, and I think they definitely fall into that trope. And lot. I don't
0: think the belts add anything to them; like they would be no different to me if they were just out there wrestling they would as just non-champions. Maybe be a little prominent, whereas prominent. I, I think those championships add a lot to Imperium's gimmick right now, right? So it makes a lot of sense. So it probably won't happen. We then get a tag team match. It's Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada taking on I'm So Sorry Saray and Amari Miller. Oh my Miller, God!
1: Yes, like
0: already in the ring,
1: doing Saray real dirty here, so, honestly. Uh,
0: and she, her timing of her signing is not great. Uh, it's so and a, awful. well, maybe appearing. She signed a while ago, I think, but appearing in anyways. Right, so, I mean,
1: she got a, at least she got to do a bit of good stuff before this happened. Have
0: we seen Persia in the ring before? I feel like we haven't.
1: No, and after this I don't really want to.
0: I thought she anyways, she she overpowers Saray early on, tags in Indy. We get a sidewalk slam by Indy and a corner clothesline. Saray with some strikes and kicks before she tags out, and then there's a series of kicks by Miller and a sleeper hold. Indy throws her, Persia comes in with a clothesline and snake eyes to Miller. We get a big boot and a fireman's carry. Indy tags in, Persia kicks Saray, then hits an F5 style like face buster that I thought was kind of cool. And like a sit out, it was, yeah. Yeah. Before Indy tags in for the elbow drop, I think it was to the back and to pick up the win. Her elbow
1: drop's really bad. It's such an armpit drop.
0: Here's a hard question for you. They won in...
1: Less than three minutes. Less
0: than three minutes is correct. How did you know that? Uh, How could you possibly guess that? I think
1: I'm just really smart
0: think so too what'd you think about this
1: um barn yeah. burner yes oh yes it burned the barn definitely and it was bad and i made me want to burn my barn um i don't know uh it was mediocre at best it was a uh, mediocre squash harwell and especially parada i don't think are that great and saray should not dropped out here i really don't like the induced finisher it just doesn't look effective
0: it's not yeah it have it as a signature move or in your repertoire but it
1: doesn't even just look like an elbow drop just looks like she's kind of literally it's the armpit drop like that's the (laughs) technique to learn an elbow drop or like to do as safe as possible but if you're gonna do it like that yes don't have it as a finisher
0: yep uh this was another nothing match i feel really bad for saray here Uh, i thought parada showed some potential as like a powerhouse like i don't know how polished she is but she's she's pretty strong and hit a couple impressive things here so it's hard to tell in three minutes but i think she looked better than some of the other new talent that's come through like for example b-fab or well, um, actually
1: i agree with nxt creative okay two three minutes or less than three minutes is a lot of time to showcase your new talent okay what's, carmen, got showcase what's carmen
0: san diego's actual name
1: uh jabber del fantasma Which, uh electro lopez oh yeah
0: so i think like I thought Parada looked better than B-Fab and and her, yes. Well, B-Fab was awful. So Persia gets on the mic after this, suggests a tag team title run. Only
1: they can make their own matches, right? Only for
0: Io to come out with Zoe. And Io is like yelling in Japanese, which I thought was awesome. It's one of my favorite things on the show. Just her... Just laying into these women in Japanese on her way to it the. It was ring. awesome. I thought it was Just great. Just because
1: like, it was so off the bat, too.
0: Io says she doesn't like them, and Zoe says, let me guess, you know, uh, you don't like me either. So Gigi and JC Jane come out because th- we only got toxic attraction once so far. So, And here they
1: come. I haven't suffered enough yet.
0: Right. So they come out and say that they don't give a damn about any of them and they just want the titles and, and
1: it, not enough people had walked out yet.
0: And it turns into a three way brawl. Toxic Attraction have the advantage, but Eo wipes out GG Zoe and Zoe kicks JC out of the ring, and so our, our baby face champions sort of stand tall. What'd you think of the little post match segment? Uh,
1: no. It was not good. Uh I I I just don't like it, and I don't like the walkouts and they're making their own matches again, and then also Toxic Attraction are back, and they had to speak again, which is... The,
0: this is the closest we get to a story, right? We're a tag team, and we want the tag team belts, and we're no, a tag we team, want, and we... we want and sometimes that's all I and, need, right? And, but and,
1: and, and not only are these two teams making their own match, one of those teams already lost to the champs, right. one, like, recently.
0: Right. It like, doesn't matter.
1: one or two weeks ago.
0: Listen, if you walk out and say you want the match, the match happens. Why is Fine. that so hard to understand? I, I don't know. There's no matchmakers. There's no authority figure. You just walk out and say, I want this match. And if it happens to be for a title, so be it. You get it. Right. right? So. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I fear that Toxic Attraction are going to win this and then Zoe and Eeyore are just going to be lost in the shuffle because they're veterans and no, no. Like they're just going to be there to they, support the other talent.
1: They will get lost in the shuffle because they're good.
0: Or they'll get called up and then they're gone forever and they won't be used and I, I'll lose interest. So I'm really, really I could worried see them getting about getting called any up veterans. I
1: literally cannot think of any actual tag teams on the main roster. No, so,
0: they could walk right into a title other shot. Than
1: the chance. Right, exactly.
0: They just have to ask for one, if any, if we know anything. Oh, that's true. Uh, so Waller is backstage and tr- sort of hitting Thanks on Cora switching. Jade briefly. Then he walks over and sits down with someone else. I didn't get who. It, were we supposed to know who it was? Do you remember?
1: No, it looked like some random.
0: And sort of says that they should go out. Grimes walk up, walks up. Then I think after the the girl leaves. And ask how come he's got so much game? Waller tells him he needs to sort of clean up a bit by shaving, managing his chest Andy hair, etc. And he also
1: mentioned, like, it's like the classic, oh, I have an accent. I'm yes, that
0: be... too. Waller suggests online dating apps and then goes to show Grimes one of them and it's over. What'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> how I much did you was... love it? And I... why is it a lot?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was really stupid. Like, this is not the direction Grimes should be going. I don't know how he's prioritizing finding a freaking girlfriend over winning a championship in Cape Hague, right? Yes. Um, Like, you could do that any other time. Why are you choosing At that work? to? Right. <laughs> why are you choosing to do it the one day of the week you could, like, be trying to win or go for titles? Like, why don't you, like, freaking go to a club on the weekend? He's freaking rich. Just go to a freaking club. Right. Like, just make it rain, honestly. like <laughs> You don't need to do this here.
0: So I my notes are I guess this is a story at least question mark like they're trying yeah, something. Yeah, apparently
1: Vince wants Grimes to change up his look before considering him for a main roster call. Oh, up.
0: there you go. There's a nice little nugget of information. So yes. he's gonna like shave, do wax his chest, cut his hair, change shave everything
1: his beard. that makes him cool and unique.
0: That'd be weird. Uh, so I like exactly. both of these guys. So I guess we'll see where it goes. But I'm obviously skeptical. So. That's basically um, the
1: only thing you can do here.
0: Then we get a little vignette where a guy with tribal tattoos is shadow boxing, tells solo us tells us that his wins and losses come from the streets, and he's been on his own since 15 years old, and was the street champion of the island.
1: I have also been on my own since I was 15. So sorry,
0: who was this?
1: Uh, solo. It's like so. His last name is spelled S-I-K-O-A. So it's I do if it's like Sakoa or Sakai.
0: Or what did you think of the something. vignette for him?
1: I thought it was a fine little vignette. He looks decent. Uh, kind of a generic backstory thing, but I don't know. Um, we'll wait to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just a little teaser, right? But I, I mean, my issue is that it's another new talent that's about to be thrust upon us when they can't find the time to develop the ones they have already. Like, slow down, take a breath maybe like wait a little while to keep bringing out more and more and more new people but anyways they're not going to so why would they listen to me exactly we then get our i guess main event which is swerve scott taking on santos escobar for the cruiserweight championship sorry north american championship one of those championships anyways it
1: is north wait who's the
0: cruiserweight champion kushida Uh, roddy oh right right. wow this is how much this show is like memorable (laughs) um swerve attacks escobar on the ramp runs escobar into the steps before the match even starts the bell rings escobar escapes to the floor but swerve hits a Fosberry flop right away swerve removes the turnbuckle cover early on here and then hits a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker we get a jml driver is countered by escobar into an arm drag swerve is run into the apron before escobar hits a nice suicide dive sending swerve over the announce table Escobar stretches Swerve's arms while stepping on his back before hitting a spine buster and a running kick to Swerve's back. Back to that similar stretch, Swerve fights out of it. We get a strike exchange, clothesline by Swerve to retake the advantage. We get some sort of rolling move countered into a flat liner by Escobar. Running knees in the corner, top rope, Purik and Rana by Escobar. Frog splash as well for a two count. Basement dropkick, Swerve rolls onto the apron. Escobar is knocked off the top and crotched on the ropes. We get a pretty nice-looking Death Valley driver onto the apron by Swerve. Escobar then gets his knees up as Swerve goes for a 450. Um, And then the rest of Legado show up. It's like Escobar lied and said they weren't going to come, but then they did. No. So they're on the apron, but Carmelo Hayes pardon, and Trick Williams show up and take them out. So Escobar leaps up, hits his head. Uh, he goes for some sort of diving attack. Uh, Swerve moves out of the way. Escobar hits his head, kind of, but not really. It didn't look great on the exposed turnbuckle that um, was earlier removed like by the Swerve. The actual
1: turnbuckle connector? Yes,
0: the actual turnbuckle, the turnbuckle hook. Yeah. That is the actual turnbuckle. That's the buckle that turns to tighten it. That's literally the turnbuckle. Little fun fact. Um, so Swerve then ends up hitting the JML driver for the win to retain the title. But wait. Carmelo Hayes attack swerve. And because oh this contract is apparently right. money and in he the bank. he cashes
1: in his money in the bank. Oh, wait. He doesn't have a money in the doesn't bank. Doesn't
0: matter. He wants a match. He asks for it. This is, why are you confused? If you want a championship match, even though you have very few credentials or reason, if you have the courage to come out there and ask for one, I don't even think he needs the contract. I think he should have just kept that and said, hey, I want a title match. And they've been like, okay, like, ring the bell. Like right now. <laughs> right. And keep the contract for later.
1: And he could use that to win another so title So really
0: it's poor poor logic by carmel i Hayes. think
1: he should have like done that and then use this to get because we've the seen, women's like, title we, right and we've, screw Mandy or Rosa save it the for the tag
0: titles with trick right because yes, we've seen that's a priority we've seen like half a dozen people just ask for matches and get it so i don't know why he's wasting the contract yeah you but. could
1: just save the contract for like or you just save until he loses the title and be like i want my title back right no exactly. way. I, no, I want wait, a rematch I, right now i would <laughs>
0: cashing it in for a rematch right now no way
1: he could just ask for a rematch then there why is he yeah he doesn't even need the contract he could just ask for every title shot to man
0: so the match is gonna happen hayes hits the springboard clothesline right off the bat for a near fall then we get a right hand by swerve a nice pump kick by carmelo hayes and then basically, the top rope leg drop to the back of Swerve's or like head. I
1: the axe kicker. I, I think it looks really lame. I hey, think it looked lamer here. But... Hayes
0: wins and becomes the new, and according to my notes, cru- cruiserweight champion. <laughs> so How co- did you? I don't know. Who knows? What? I don't know things. So, Carmelo Hayes is your new North American champion. Now I
1: really want to put you on off the top. So, of that head. was a
0: little bit of a swerve, right? No pun intended at the end of the show. What did That's you think? That's
1: cold, man. That's cold. What did you
0: think of the main event?
1: That's cold. You- don't even do that ever again. <laughs> uh, I thought this was a solid match. I'm glad Swerverly's got one successful defense, but I'm also pissed because he's only gotten one now. Like, over, at least, like, it's, it, I guarantee it's over 100 days, one successful defense. Right. And then he loses it in the same night. Right. Um, He's catching it's kind of cool, but the contract's not in the bank, and they didn't do this last time with uh Jordan Miles.
0: And they didn't... And, like... They never told us that, like when he won, it's it just It was like, never it was like, like
1: his assumption. It, it was, was never like caution. a
0: "you can cash it in any time." It was like you've got a contract, but not right. anytime like, anywhere for
1: the next week kind of deal, which right. is what it was last time. And they never like this. It felt like his assumption, but I guess good for Hayes for winning the title, but he should have cashed in for Tasha next week so he could get a proper match. And also, again, this is not Money in the Bank.
0: Right. Um. So, I get it. like so a lot of this makes sense, right? They need to get the title off Swerve. And I don't think, as much as I love Escobar, they don't have any use for a guy like him in NXT in a prominent position anymore. I thought the match was pretty good as well. The finish with the exposed turnbuckles kind of very WWE, right? Because God forbid anyone get a clean win over anyone when it matters sort of thing. How dare you
1: think that that's a possibility? Right, I know. That's not possible. So I
0: thought it was a very good match, and it felt like the kind of the... It was like hearkening back to the good version of NXT, right? Where you're getting some amazing guys from the independent scene in a match on nxt so that was nice to feel that that one of them's leaving yeah i thought so um so i like carmelo hayes fine but again when did this become the money in the bank but anyways it was an interesting little wrinkle i guess to end this show so overall thoughts i probably i would
1: say this is Maybe the most tolerable episode. Wow, far. That's so a, I'll give it a D plus.
0: Ringing endorsement. I like you. Can't even be bothered to go recap the stuff, right? No, D plus.
1: I. It doesn't deserve it. Okay,
0: so I think we got a decent opener with a new talent looking way too competitive against Champa. I thought. Then we get three sub three minute matches with sadly seem to be the hallmark of NXT right now. We got a fine tag team match and then back to two more three minute matches before a pretty good main event with a surprise title change. I thought Gacy and Toxic Attraction were basically like repeats of what they always say. Lash Legends show was awful. The D'Angelo stuff continues to be a big miss for me. And Chase University was kind of a little bit of entertainment in the middle of all this, right? And I thought Imperium segment was cool. So again this week, a chore to watch. Despite enjoying the main event, I can't give this any higher than a D, which is what I'm giving it. The writing on this show just feels lazy and aimed at children. Characters are one-dimensional at best, or like zero-dimensional, basically, right? It's really hard to care about anybody right now. The veterans are only there to make the new talent look good. I feel really bad for almost everybody that's like an established performer at this point, because they're not going to get much time to shine at all. They're basically there as trainers and like to put over young talent. So I really can't see any established wrestler re-signing with this brand right like I don't maybe they won't be wanted they won't be offered a contract anyways but why would like Gargano or Dunn or Ciampa or O'Reilly why would any of them or Zoe I don't or either. EO?
1: why Dunn re
0: why would any of them re-sign right um but anyways, this show is pretty much garbage right now, and I try to stay positive and the ratings seem to reflect it, right? The ratings yes, embrace are going the hate. The best they can hope for is the ratings didn't get embrace lower this week. It. Um, so, yes. anyways, another bad show. It's a D. Don't watch it. Just let us talk about it for you. Okay. Or don't. Uh, so that's gonna bring us to a little bit of a break and we'll talk some trivia in our weekly segment called Off the Top of His Head. All right, so we're going back to the WWE trivia deck that comes in handy when I don't have a lot of time to make my own trivia during the week. So here we are. We're going to do maybe three or four cards worth, all right? So first question, who defeated John Cena? Have you heard of him?
1: No, I don't even think I can see him.
0: He's a guy. He used to wrestle in jean shorts and bright T-shirts and stuff. So Uh,
1: If you say so. Who
0: defeated him in his pay-per-view debut at Elimination Chamber 2015?
1: Kevin Owens.
0: Correct. Uh, poor, poor Kevin Owens. He needs to get out of WWE really quickly. Yes. Um, who won the first ever WWE Championship Scramble match at Unforgiven 2008?
1: Chris Jericho? No. Uh, Triple H. Correct. Okay, because a- I know Jericho won one, I think, at that event, but I guess it was not the first one.
0: How dare you. Who was, oh, sorry, what was the name of the Misses award show? Mizzy's. Yes, like the Dundies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When Shawn Michaels vacated the WWE Championship in 1997, he said he lost his what?
1: But I'm just kidding. He <laughs> lost his smile. He
0: lost his smile. Oh, My poor butt you. Fell off. What? Sorry, who surprised John Cena at Hell in a Cell 2016 and defeated him for the United States Championship?
1: Um, it was actually 2015, and it was it was Alberto Del Rio.
0: Wow, you're correcting the WWE trivia deck. How it was 2015. dare you? Are you sure? How conf- I am
1: almost, I am 100% positive, actually. I believe you. Um, Del Rio is probably gone by Hell in a Cell 2016.
0: It could be gone for good. Good riddance. Plus, I remember Hell in a Cell 2016.
1: I watched in the U.S. You... title match was Roman Reigns and Rusev in Hell in a Cell. He is was the opener. So. 10
0: pounds of garbage in a five pound bag, that man. So, nah. see you later. Uh, JBL and Big Show competed in what kind of match for the WWE Championship at No Way Out 2005? Uh, barbed wire steel cage. Why would you know that because so quickly? I even
1: know the finish. Um, Tell JBL me. got chokeslammed through the ring. And he won by crawling under the ring outside the cage.
0: I feel compelled to say it sometimes, folks. On the top. He has not seen these questions. He doesn't even know what I'm gonna like the topic that, of anything that was before in, we um, start.
1: The encyclopedia book. He just knows
0: remember. things. He's been reading WWE encyclopedia since what age? I don't know. Eight at eight, least. Eight years old. That was when I started. So you've got a good six years of WWE trivia memorization. That, what that
1: would be? How long? Yes. What
0: WWE superstar lost and won a WWE championship at No Way Out? 2009
1: lost um, and won No way. oh edge correct uh yeah, lost the w title won the world heavyweight
0: title oh nice i was gonna he, say can you elaborate because i don't he got remember. rolled
1: up by jeff hardy i think in the <laughs> yeah. w title one and then he beat up kofi kingston as he was entering to uh, enter the world heavyweight title one. Amazing. i think that was the match where he jericho and mysterio hit a finisher bet parade on cena nice i want to say
0: Which sole survivor from Team Canada went on to defeat Team? Oh, this
1: is not TNA, okay.
0: Team Authority at Survivor Series 2014. Sorry, Team Cena, not Team Canada. Team Cena went on to. Dolph Ziggler. That is correct,
1: and that was Sting's debut too.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Batista teamed with which legendary Hall of Famer to win the WWE Tag Team Championship?
1: Rey Mysterio. No. No. Oh, Ric Flair. Correct. Because
0: uh, Mysterio wouldn't be in the right, Hall of Right, no, Fame he's yet. not. How right. dare you. What former... was
1: technically the world tag title, so...
0: What former world champion returned to win the Royal Rumble in 2014? Um, Batista. Too easy. Right. Who returned to the WWE in 1989 as the Widowmaker? I know this one. Barry Wendell. Correct. He, he sure did. Which two former horsemen were known in WWE as the Brain Busters.
1: Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. These are
0: light work for you this week.
1: Yeah, you should keep going.
0: Mr. Perfect replaced which WWE Hall of Famer and tagged with Randy Savage at Survivor Series 1992? Ooh. That's a good one. Think about it.
1: Was it Bret Hart? It
0: was not Bret Hart. It was a baby face. An only baby face. He replaced, he was going to replace Hulk Hogan, you know? And he's also a dirtbag of a human being. Or was. He has face paint.
1: Ultimate Warrior. Correct.
0: Um, what? Two WWE Hall of Famers won WWE gold as the Masked Executioners in 1976. Good luck. We're going to before I was born. Terry Gordy? No. Any chance you'll get this one? Um, killer kowalski and big john stud so i'm gonna go with no without much chance no they're getting harder folks which legendary professional boxing champion stepped up to wrestle big show at wrestlemania 24 floyd could i have his nickname please money yes thank you floyd money mayweather one more card what was the name of chris jericho and big show's tag team Jericho. show right who defeated The Rock and Triple H in a triple threat match at Survivor Series 99 to win his first... Big show, huh? WWE. Right. It's the big show theme. WWE. i thrown in a couple extra W's there. WWE. Only two of them. Superstars competed against athletes from which professional sport in Battle Royal at WrestleMania 2? NFL. Correct. Who defended the WCW Championship against Buff Bagwell on an episode of Raw? Correct. The good old Buff Bagwell. Yes. His lengthy, distinguished WWE career that he had. (laughs) Yes. Who celebrated his first pay-per-view win? This will be our last question. With a mouthful of worms. Mm-hmm. Who could that possibly be? <laughs> boogeyman. Correct. Come bo- to get you. The, uh, like the Boogeyman is right. So you absolutely dominated this yeah, week. I
1: like the Boogeyman. He was...
0: Boogeyman was like, was he a good wrestler? No. Was he committed and like worked his butt off for a really bizarre character? Absolutely. So I respected the Boogeyman. Okay. I
1: have his only figure. So...
0: And he looked incredible, right? Yes. Like, I have crazy his look? only
1: elite and I am proud oh, of yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: All right. So that's I lost gonna... the
1: clock, which kind of sucks. But
0: normally we would. Transition into AEW Dynamite, but it does not exist at this point until later tonight.
1: At time of recording,
0: so we are going to move right into our next segment, which is any other wrestling business. So we're going to start out with talking about Impact Wrestling this week. Uh, you watched a little bit of it, right? You were kind of uh, there for
1: some. I don't remember what I watched, but, but I'll, I'm sure it'll come to it me. might
0: refresh your memory, right, as I talk about it. So the episode starts with a recap of the main event from last week where Christian and Josh Alexander teamed up and defeated Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, as well as sort of showing us the returning Christopher Daniels, who's seemingly trying to insert himself into the Impact Championship picture. Um, And then we go straight into an opening match, which is El Phantasmo with Hikaleo and Chris Bay of the Bullet Club facing Rohit, facing Willie Mack for a spot in the Bound for Glory X Division Championship match. So it's one of the triple threats leading to that. So I'm actually pretty pretty excited for this matchup because if you listen to this, you know I love Rohit. I'm probably one of Rohit's biggest fans. I have found um, El Phantasmo really interesting in the brief time that I've seen him. And Willie Mack, I mean... He's never going to be a main event or anything, but he's he's pretty good in the ring, and this match especially, I thought. But let's get into it. So El Phantasmo is sent to the floor early. So Rohit and Willie Mac face off in the ring. We get shoulder tackles by Mac, followed by his windup slam. El Fantasmo's, uh in, and he uses back rakes to Willie Mac, followed by some failed shoulder tackles that don't take Mac down. We get a step up Hurricane Rana. Uh, by Willy Mac before Rohit sends him to the floor. Pop-up forearm by Willy Mack to Rohit that looked pretty good. Springboard crossbody by uh, El Fantasmo to Willy Mack. Fantasmo uh, hits a dive to Rohit on the outside, then a nice top rope sent on to Willy Mack for two. ELP is then in the trio. Woe. Rohit hits his cannonball and a double stomp to Willy Mac's back. All three are then trading strikes and kicks until Willy Mack flattens both of the others with uh, clotheslines. Mac catches an El Phantasmo crossbody, puts him in a fireman's carry, which was impressive, and then gets Rohit sort of at this time up on the top rope. So he goes and gathers him too. So he has them both sort of stacked up on his shoulders and delivers a Samoan drop to both at the same time, and then hits his standing moonsault to both of them for two. Rohit tries to suplex Mac, but Mac just dumps Rohit face first onto the mat, or so it was a superplex attempt by Rohit, but Mac just sort of dumps him face first on the mat. Uh, El Phantasma hits an insecurity to Mac on the top rope, then a top rope Rana that puts Mac on top of Rohit, Splash by ELP to Mac for a near fall. Mac then catches El Phantasma with a super kick, lands a stunner, but the ref is distracted by the rest of Bullet Club, so Mac doesn't get the pinfall here. Mac then takes a moment to knock Bullet Club to the floor, dives over the rope onto both of them. This allows Rohit to hit his flurry, to ELP ending with a f- nice flat liner. He's got like this jumping flat liner. It's a simple move, but Rohit makes it look pretty good. Mm-hmm. We get a low blow by El Phantasma to Rohit. And then uh, ELP hits his double underhook face buster for the win in about nine and a half minutes. So I thought this was a really good match. And Willie Mack, honestly, which is the guy I was least interested in seeing, was the one that I think really stood out in this. He easily got the most time on offense here. The others look good too in the time they got. And I think El Phantasmo is really cool. But I think they need to put in some effort, giving him a, some time to speak so that we can sort of get to know him and his character. Because so far he's just really wrestling. He I don't know if he's said anything at all since being an impact but overall, a really good opening match for an Impact show. Then Gia interviews Ace Austin and Madman Fulton about Ace and Fulton being in a battle royal tonight. So it's a battle a battle royal to get into a battle royal, right? Which I find a little bit silly. I but
1: found that was kind of odd. Yes. I mean, the other ones, I guess, a Royal Rumble, but that's essentially just like right. a, a different battle royal.
0: So the winner of this battle royal becomes the 20th entrant in the Call Your Shot match gauntlet, I, whatever it's called, and then whoever comes in second in this match has to come in first in that match. So that it's a little bit convoluted, but that's what's going on here. So Ace talks about things not being over between himself and Christian. And that Josh Alexander has kind of jumped the line for the title with cashing in, um, cashing in his championship. So the Call Your Shot match could get him back on track, meaning Ace Austin. And he said being number 20 would basically double his odds of winning. Fulton says that he would like to be number one so that he can destroy as many opponents as possible one by one. Ace said he doesn't leave things up to chance. He makes his own luck. I thought this was a solid promo by both of them. It was almost exclusively Austin. Fulton really only said one thing. And I like as a heel that he feels Alexander's basically cut in line and he feels that having Fulton in the Battle Royal really helps his chances as well, right? It's basically a tag team in an individual sort of match. I thought it was good heel work here, but I need Ace Austin to start getting some big wins because he needs to feel like a top-tier talent in impact, and and they seem to be a little hesitant to really pull the trigger on him, but I, I hope he gets there soon. So we then get Savannah Evans with Tasha Steeles taking on Lady Frost. So we get forearms by Frost, but they have no effect on the much larger Evans, but her kicks finally do until Evan runs her over into the ropes hits a corner spear and a double underhook suplex then it strikes and chops by evans for quite a while really basic stuff here bear hug by evans but frost escapes only to run into a boot from evans samoan drop by evans and i put in brackets mostly so clearly it was not the cleanest of samoan drops probably evans then gets posted when uh, lady frost avoids another spear frost lands a head kick and a spear of her own Drop kick to Evans' leg, but Evans hits a big clothesline and a pretty weak-looking full Nelson slam for the win in four minutes. Um, So Savannah Evans looks cool and really imposing, but she seems pretty limited in the ring to me the more that I've seen her. It's a lot of basic stuff and then a couple power moves. It kind of reminds me of like um, Persia Parada or something like that, you know what I mean? I know a couple power moves, but not much else, and I didn't think those power moves were super clean, to be honest. Um, Lady Frost got a little bit of time on offense and looked decent, but I don't really think there was much to this match, so I wasn't a big fan. We then get Deanna Perazzo and Matthew Raywalt. They come to the ring and Deanna speaks. She talks about being able to choose an opponent for Mickey James ahead of their title match. Um, and Deanna has been impressed with Savannah Evans, and she basically chooses her to face Mickey James next week. Evans accepts. Deanna thanks her and leaves the ring. Storyline wise, this makes sense for Mickey James, right? Um, and Perrazzo, because in theory, Savannah Evans is this dominant powerhouse, and Deanna wants as much damage done to Mickey before their match, right? So that makes sense. Deanna's delivery was really good here as usual. It's just the fact that honestly, Savannah Evans doesn't look very good. So I, I'm not gonna get a great match between James and Evans, I don't think. Who knows? Maybe James can carry her, but storyline, it makes sense, so it's fine macklin then speaks and man does he ever i almost wanted to sort of get you to go and watch this promo so he says that people don't know much about him and that's for a reason he controls what we know about him but he's gonna let us in a little bit here he talks about ribbon chasers chasing medals for the glory where he comes from and those are the ones that gets guys like him killed and it's the same here in impact People are trying to win the X-Division title to go on social media to flaunt it, and that's weakness. At Bound for Glory, he will be the X-Division champion to put a target on his own back, and that's not weakness, it's mayhem, and that's what he's in it for. Tag him and bag him and mayhem for all. Um, I did not do this justice. I thought this promo was freaking awesome, and I don't know what the heck WWE was doing with this guy, But I've really enjoyed him in ring, and I really enjoyed this bit of character work. So he's subtly, which wrestling's not good at, including his military history here. He's talking about like people in the armed forces out for the glory, right? And behaving recklessly and trying to be heroes and putting other people at risk. So his hatred of the ribbon chasers and social media posers is appealing to me as well. I think that's a cool heel gimmick to work with. And his intense delivery was great here, I thought. So I had no idea that I was going to like Macklin so much. In fact, I was kind of like, I probably won't because he didn't do much in a WWE, right? But at this point, he's one of my favorite talents on this show. Uh, His character and portrayal, uh, like what he's doing right now feel really new and fresh to me. And I like it a lot, and it's not clubbing us over the head with his military service, right? He's slowly letting us in on these things, and I thought this was awesome. And again, WWE missed the boat on this guy big time, I think. So I think this is one of the things Impact Wrestling is doing really, really well, is their build and presentation of Macklin. So Gia Miller, and I even think just adding to the subtlety, I think he's still undefeated in Impact. And they're really not like hitting us over the head with that or even mentioning it yet. So, Gia then congratulates Gail Kim on producing a successful Knockouts Knockdown show. Gail mentions highlights like the tribute to Daphne and Masha Slamovich being signed to Impact. Rosemary and Havoc, of course, have to interrupt because that's all we know in Impact. So, they talk about how they will be um, wrestling the inspiration at Bound for Glory. And Rosemary asks Gail if it was a good idea to bring two innocent girls to Impact to face Decay. A random delivery guy shows up with a note from Sydney, Australia. The note is read by Gia, and it's basically from their names are now Jesse McKay and Cassie Lee. So that's the Iconics now, right? I think
1: Cassie Lee is Peyton Royce's real name, and then I think Jessica McKay is Billy Kay, so it's pretty close. Good,
0: they're going with the real names? Pretty much. So the note talks about how both of the Inspiration members were looking forward to wrestling Decay, and that it's an honor for Decay to be in the ring with them and refer to their title opportunity as hard-earned, which I think is pretty funny, right? Like, they've literally never had a match in Impact or even really been there. It was they just are at
1: a credible team for I, this I division, like this heel
0: thing of, we've. it's a hard-earned a title shot, right? The note I said so. that if it wasn't read with an Australian accent, then it needs to be read again. But Gia refuses, which I thought was kind of funny, too. Like, you don't mention that until the end of this, right? So Rosemary says... That through wrestling the inspiration, Decay will continue to bring their brand of chaos to the ring. So I thought the note was a little bit, had some amusing, funny bits to it. And it really did seem on brand for like what we know of the Iconics slash what are they called now?
1: Inspiration. Right.
0: So that seems very consistent with the way they presented last time we saw them. So I kind of like that. Because they are well, honestly... They
1: now can't use their Iconics catchphrase, which kind of sucks. No,
0: cause it, they, but they're more like humor than in-ring stuff, right? Like, they're more character work and just fun than a lot of in-ring work. But for me, what kind of took me out of this is Rosemary's acting is so over the top. It's like a bad high school production, so it kind of hurt this a little bit. But anyways, we then get VSK with Brian Myers taking on Rich Swan. So VSK lands Uppercuts to start, a backslide by Swan. Death Valley driver onto his knee by VSK that looked cool, and a body slam with a recoil splash for two. So basically, he slams the guy so hard that it kind of causes him to bounce up, and then he turns that into a splash right away. It's kind of an interesting take on it. We get a running boot and a snap mare, snap mare before an uppercut to the back of Swan's neck. Punches by Swan, a couple kicks, swinging neck breaker, and a splash, and then a Phoenix splash by Swan for the win in guess how long if it were NXT? Less than
1: three minutes. Three
0: minutes. So weird, tiny little three-minute match. I thought VSK's offense looked pretty good. He got a decent portion of this, but then he got pinned clean after only a few moves. I'm not entirely sure what the point of this was. There was no other developments with the learning tree and Brian Myers, because like, the story has been that VSK is Brian Myers' like favorite of his little faction of um, whatever they are, protégés. So I don't know where this fits in, but anyways, it happened. Swingers Palace time. Swinger is still packing up the stuff because that looks like his casino is ending. Please, please, please let that be the case. Swinger says goodbye to his employees, including Bravo and Hernandez. One of the Swingerellas then takes the moment after being encouraged by Alyssa to go over and basically profess her love to Johnny Swinger. Swinger says there are two rules in the business. Don't fall in love with a Rizzat and don't fall in love with the Swingman because Johnny Swinger is not a one-woman man. Alicia Edwards calls Swinger a monster. Chris Sabin shows up, talks about how he's really sad to see Swinger's place, uh, Swinger's Palace go, and then the other Swingerella apparently wants him to stay. Her name's Riley, but Sabin's love is wrestling, um, is the wrestling ring, and he has to go to Bound for Glory. So then he starts sitting, and he puts his feet up, and he's reminiscing about all the good times in Swinger's Palace as a bunch of, quote-unquote, for me, highlights from Swinger's Palace play. So I don't know, man. This was a pointless waste of time. It's not funny. It doesn't further any stories. The interaction between Saban and Swingerella came out of nowhere, I'm pretty sure. This really feels like Swinger's Palace is done, and that would be amazing. It has offered nothing, basically, in its time in existence. And I think there's room for Johnny Swinger on this show, but this isn't because his character's funny, man, and he's really into it, but this is not the way to present it. So if it's gone, I'm totally okay with it. Heath walks into Damore's office. He's ready to sign his contract now that he's healed from his injury. Scott Damore agrees. Since he's a man of his word, he hands the contract to Heath. Heath asks him one more favor. He wants to face Violent by Design with Rhino as his partner. Damore says he'll do it, but does Rhino even want to be Heath's partner? Heath says he'll talk to Rhino because this is not the Rhino that we know. Heath signs the contract, thanks Scott Damore, and leaves. So, Violent by Design lately have been made to look so weak. I just don't have any interest in this story. I'm not the biggest fan of Heath or Rhino either. So, I don't think this was a bad segment and Heath's doing a good job in this role. It's just not something I'm interested in. Because to me, if you beat Violent by Design right now, that's not really a big deal. Most people are beating them in whatever combination. They talk a big game and then don't really deliver. So, not super interested. Chris Saban... With Juice Robinson and David Finlay taking on Chris Bay with, obviously, Hickaleo and El Phantasmo are here with them. So we get a lengthy lockup to start. Holds and counters showcasing the quickness of both of these guys. El Phantasmo gets on the apron. Bullet club are sent to the back, which I kind of really like because we're going to get some one-on-one action here. Snap suplex by Saban. Nice hesitation drop kick to Bay as he's hanging in the tree of woe. Elbow drop to Saban, who's hanging over the second rope. Crazy twisting forearm to the back by Bay, he's just so quick and explosive. Top rope clothesline by Bay for two, vertical suplex by Bay, then Bay has some head scissors countered with a kick and a nice running boot by Saban, rolling fisherman buster by Saban was pretty sweet, discus clothesline torture rack into a neck breaker by Bay was pretty good, leaping leg lariat to the back of Saban's head for a two count. Bay misses a top rope splash. We get two double clotheslines. Both men are down. Strike exchange as each is sort of calling on the other now. Jumping in Seguri by Bay. Sorry, sort of catches Bay in midair as he was trying to leap to do something. And then Sabin hits the cradle shock for the win in 12 minutes. Uh, I thought this was a pretty excellent match. It got a pretty good amount of time for impact. But I'm not surprised considering the two guys involved in this. They're both incredible in the ring lots of back and forth action in this one several cool looking moves um, for both of them both of these guys are so fast and so clean at this point i really like that bullet club were sent to the back so that these two could work without distractions i thought this was an excellent tv match and i'm always trying to recommend something for people to go see if they're not watching all of impact i think this match is personally it's worth going to check it out really good match so gia is now interviewing Trey Miguel about his chances in the X Division three way match at Bound for Glory. Miguel seems like he's starting to cut like a promo about his chances, almost like a Steiner math promo, but he's cut, Steiner off by, math. he's cut off by Alex Zane. Zane says he understands all the hype about Trey Miguel, but he's not satisfied with that hype yet because he's only had one match with Miguel. And also, Trey Miguel didn't really beat Zayn because he beat Laredo Kid in the match they had. That's who took the pinfall, so that's his point there. Trey agrees that technically he didn't beat Zayn, and he sort of assumes that Zayn wants a one-on-one match. Zayn seems to be agreeing with that, so that looks like where we're headed with this. Um, I don't think Trey, some of the things he said at the beginning didn't make a ton of sense, or at the end... But I actually thought Zayn was good in his role here. I haven't really heard him cut many promos. I thought he was pretty good. And I think it means he's a heel in Impact now. I'm not entirely sure, but it looks like that's the route. And I think this was a fine way to set up a match between these two that I think should be really good. Because I'm interested in seeing more of Zayn. And Miguel, you know I have issues with him. But he still is pretty fun to watch at the end of the day. So we then get our standard The black and white Good Brothers promo where Anderson... Oh, I did see
1: this. It was really stupid.
0: Yeah, this is what they've been doing because they're traveling with AEW, right? So it's kind of like we can't have you forget about our tag team champions even though they're gone for months. So it just feels like those guys flip on their cameras and in one take, right? They just shill for their merchandise... They drop names of people they know, they hype their match at Bound for Glory, and that's basically right. all it was. So I don't like these segments either. It just feels kind of lazy that they're just allowed to do whatever they want. And, hey, guys, just send us a little, like, 30-second video while you're on the road I mean, just to remind people was you just exist. I mean, like
1: Tessa Blanchard last year where she just didn't.
0: Didn't do anything, right? Um, but, yeah, these feel really just sort of, like, lazy segments. These guys send in a video to, and they put it on TV. So we then get what is technically an intergender battle royal in the main event. Yeah, I did for, see, well, sorry. I think it
1: was like uh, Kimberly and uh, yep. what's-her-face in there. Brandy
0: Loren was in there and a few others. Alicia was in there. Uh, there's a few other women in there as well. Rachel Eldering was in there. So that's the main event match. There is another segment after this. So again, the winner of this battle royal will be in the number 20 spot for the Call Your Shot battle royal. And the second place finisher in this yeah. one will be first, right? Um, so, again, a battle royal for a battle royal, which seems a bit interesting, but Moose eliminates Alicia right away, because they've got a bit of a story going on there. I don't have too many highlights, because this was standard, like, the ring is full of people, punchy-punchy, kicky-kicky, right, basically stuff. Swinger eliminates himself, because he's afraid of Kimber Lee and Brandy Loren. The Learning Tree, at one point, catch Myers as he's about to be eliminated, save him, and put him back in, but he gets eliminated pretty much right after that anyways, Fulton throws Brandy Loren onto a crowd of people, and then at some point he got hit with mist. I didn't quite catch even when it was. So Moose, Fulton, Morrissey, Saban, and Austin, and Ace Austin end up being our final five. But a double boot from Moose and Morrissey eliminates Fulton that was a little awkward, right? Because he was a bit too far from the ropes, and he just had to like backpedal to the ropes and then still like flip over right. them. Um, it was a bit of an awkward elimination. So the three remaining heels are now ganging up on Sabin, as makes sense. So Morrissey and Moose throw Austin onto Fulton onto the floor and eliminate to eliminate Austin. Uh, Moose ends up on the apron. Sabin hits a low drop kick to eliminate him. So Moose stays. He helps save Morrissey one time from elimination and then he leaves. And basically, Morrissey eventually eliminates Saban. It wasn't even ultra dramatic, right? He just kind of like tossed him over the yeah. top and that was it. So a really standard battle royal, not much of consequence happening. Honestly, the only interesting part of this was Sabin lasting so long despite facing two monsters on his own, basically, right? And having to wrestle a match already, a really good competitive match on the show. So that was the only story was this little guy in a match that favors big guys who's already wrestled a really long match today sort of going this long and showing his heart and, then and he'll guts. Gotta to
1: go to the distance. Um, right, and that also one.
0: good point puts him in the number 1 spot now for the call your shot, right? So I hope Morrissey and Moose are going to use this for if they end up winning the next one, right? They use it for a tag team title shot. But it also if one of them wins could be like they're going to use it for a singles match and annoy the other one but anyways there's a lot of places they can go but i thought this was a largely uneventful main event match to be honest but um putting morrissey again they're finding ways to protect this guy because he can't really wrestle so putting him in putting him in 20th in the next one makes sense right because he doesn't need a lot of time in the ring no offense i know you like him but he's he's somewhat limited uh, we then There's get a
1: limited. boom roasted.
0: We get an a little vignette here hyping the Impact debut of Minoru Suzuki. Yes, please, I said. Um, so then the main event, which you definitely watched with me, was Josh Matthews sitting down with Josh Alexander oh, and yes, Christian the, the, in the ring. Oh, yes, the
1: main event. <laughs> yes.
0: So Matthews asked, "Sorry, this is a pretty lengthy segment here." So Matthews asked Christian how it felt to pin Kenny Omega for the Impact title on the first episode of I Rampage.
1: I think it felt pretty awful.
0: Christian talked about his comeback from his seven-year retirement. He didn't come back to do Christian's greatest hits. He came here to be the best and win championships. He says the Impact title is dear to his heart because Impact got behind him earlier in his career when nobody else would. Matthews then asks Alexander what his thought process was behind cashing in option C. Alexander says that the X Division means a lot to him, especially after his run as a strong tag team wrestler. But and wrestling Chris Sabin, possibly the greatest X Division champion ever, gave him that push to go to the main event and to invoke option C. He said it's difficult to give up the title, but the world title is much sweeter, and he has no regrets about giving up the X Division title. Matthews then talks about Christian and Alexander both being Canadian and both fighting through career ending injuries. Matthews asked Christian if he sees a bit of himself in Alexander.
1: Which I didn't like because he literally just pointed out something that he could see like for yeah. himself. So it's like... Setting it up. He literally just gave him examples.
0: Right. Christian said he sees hunger and passion in Alexander and knows that Alexander has been overlooked. But that's where the similarities end because Alexander will find out that nobody compares to Christian because he's a ring general and he doesn't mean any disrespect to Alexander, but he's basically not in his league. Matthews then asks Alexander if he sees any of himself in Christian. Alexander talks about growing up close to where Christian did and he agrees that he's looked up to Christian his whole career. Alexander feels that he's the wild card at Bound for Glory because he knows all of the cards Christian is going to play, being a lifelong fan of him, basically. Matthews asks Christian how he's approaching this upcoming match differently from other matches. Christian says he's been in this spot before, and, that's Alexand- and that Alexander's issue is that he lets his emotions get the better of him. Bound for glory is sink or swim, and they, when they get into the deep waters, he's going to learn that Christian's a really good swimmer. He said he's a fan of I watching...
1: I am a good swimmer.
0: He's a fan of watching wrestling too, and he has followed Alexander's career since Alexander won the tag titles. Matthews then calls out Christian for saying he knows Josh Alexander, and they go back to a clip, I thought this was a nice touch, from an AEW press conference where the fans said they wanted to see Christian face Josh Alexander as a dream match, and Christian says, I don't even know who that is, right? So... Christian lets out a nervous laugh and said, oh, he was just kidding about that. And Alexander said Christian was either lying then about not knowing who Alexander is or he's lying now about following his career when earlier he said that he didn't even know who he was, right? So I thought that was a good or, point as yeah. well. He said he's lost a lot of respect for Christian and Christian's going to find out at Be uh, Bound for Glory what happens when you face the walking weapon. Alexander then marches out of the ring to the back and Christian sort of ends the show by saying that this his point is proven and that Alexander can't keep his emotions in check. Did you have any thoughts on this?
1: I, I thought it was fine. There's some where words like I didn't like that. Like He literally gave examples of like, oh, this is how you're similar. Do you see any yeah, similarities? Do you? Here's but how you're similar. Are you I similar? I thought it was fine. I like the touch with the press conference as well.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I've enjoyed the build to this match and the dynamic between like these. They're both technically baby faces but it feels like they each one really thinks that they're better than the other one and they kind of can't wait to prove it, right? They both have a little bit of edge to them lately even though they're kind of baby faces still and it makes it feel like an important match and that the championship really matters. So the tone of these interactions between these two, I think it's been excellent and it always feels real to me, which is one of my favorite things, right? So the clip of Christian denying knowing who alexander was was really well used here and does fuel alexander right like now he's like oh you don't even know who i am like so all this is just bs about respecting me and whatever in one sense you're lying in one case or the other right so i like that that's pushing alexander a little bit further i thought this was a really good segment and it helps to build to this match that i'm really really hoping and i think that's what we're getting that this is the coronation of Josh Alexander of the face of this company, right? When right. they're putting this much work into building this, I really think it would be a mistake to have Christian retain here. And I don't know what you do with Alexander after that, right? So I feel like we're getting Give what him I a want. Monster run. I think we're getting what I want, and Alexander wins this, which would be awesome. So overall, I quite like this show. Highlights would be the opening three-way match, the excellent Saban Bay match, and the main event segment. Um, with Alexander and Christian. The low lights were the Swingers Palace segment, of course, uh, the Good Brothers promo, and Rosemary's acting. Still, uh, overall, the good outweighed the bad. I felt like this was a B-plus show because I was mostly entertained and it wasn't too much of a chore. Right. Uh, and then all I wanted, the only other thing for any other wrestling business I wanted to talk about was I quickly checked out a little bit of Rampage. So I actually watched uh, more of the, what is it called, the buy-in than the actual show because the buy-in had... Bobby Fish pinned uh, Lee Moriarty with a head kick, and I honestly really liked this match, and I thought Bobby Fish looked awesome. He looked like, it was kind of like a relentless varied attack, like designed to stop Moriarty, who's like really quick, right? I thought Fish looked like a killer in this match, and I, I really liked it. I also watched Punk Seidel, which was the opener of the actual Rampage and they got a lot of time. It was a good. It was a good match. I don't think it was great. Um, Sidal got plenty of time in control of this match, and the crowd was like super into it and really into CM Punk for sure. And then we watched just before coming down here, right? On the um, it was on the Buy In show too, so free on YouTube was Minoru Suzuki taking on Daniel Bryan, and I think I liked it more than you. I pretty much loved this match. You thought it felt kind of formulaic, but that is the sort of Japanese strong style I just love those sort of delayed lengthy slow like their strike exchanges and calling each other on to just keep kicking and chopping each other and just little things that Suzuki does his facial expressions I think are among the best I've ever seen when he escapes a hold it looks like he's actually escaping like you can kind of see him thinking about how to get out and sort of implement it and also when he barely kicks out of a pinfall it really looks like he's barely kicking out of a pinfall so i thought this match was awesome i really got into it and quite enjoyed it what did you think of it i don't think you liked it as much as i did but uh, I, I almost loved it yeah
1: i thought it was pretty good but i mean it's always the strike exchanges with suzuki like i know it's strong it style, but like i would like it if you changed it up a bit like i feel like It was was almost the exact same with Mox.
0: Yeah, it felt like the match was... It it was good. It 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 felt like the story they told was a match where they know they pretty much have to kill the other guy, right? And that they're going to try and do that. I don't know. I I really, really enjoyed it. But I think that's going to bring us to the end of any other wrestling business, right? And move us into our final segment every week, which is Jack talking about the world of wrestling action figures and whatever's new in a segment we call Figuring It Out with Jack. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and we only have one thing. Oh, yes. nice! Yes. Late work today. Yes, um, it's just we got some package images for AEW's Unrivaled Series Seven. Yep. Um, so we got the Young Bucks from Full Gear 2020 last year, uh, purple yellow gear. Um, when they beat FTR. Nice. Yes, that match. Yep. Um, so that looked cool. Uh, Nick and Matthew Jackson. Heard of them. Um, the Nick Jackson, I think they just reused the series one head scan, which I don't think they've reused yet since series one. And then, or it looks like the same series one head, but like, uh, I can't tell what the hair. So I think, I think it's a reuse of the series one head. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't tell if he has a ponytail or not. And then the Matt Jackson is a reuse of the series three head just with the, I think it's definitely a darker beard. Nice. Um, and then we also have FTR from all out, uh, 2020, cool. It shows them from full gear twenty twenty on the back. Um on the back photo, but it says all out and these are from all out and red and white gear. So this would have been from when they captured the tag tiles from Omega and Hand. Do you have any
0: FTR figures?
1: I have a battle pack. Right. From WWE. Right. Um so yeah, we have Harwood and Cash Wheeler. We also have Lance Archer, uh, who looks pretty good in like a black and red attire from Double Nothing uh twenty twenty. So that's from his match Cody Rhodes, uh for in the TNT title. Uh, tournament final, right? And then we also had Nia Jax in a Yay. black and gold, or sorry, Nyla Rose, I meant. Why oh, okay. Do I, why do I keep saying Nia Jax?
0: I don't know. Because ah. she's your favorite wrestler.
1: Yes. For sure. In uh, the black and gold gear from Dynamite, February twelfth, twenty twenty. And then of course you have the Chase variant, uh which is one of five thousand. That'll be uh, Nyla Rose in a like an orange and black gear. There's a bit of I think it's orange. Um, the entrance gear is definitely orange, but the knee pads, it looks red, but I think it's just a dark orange. Nice. Um, that's from revolution. I think that's when she defended against Chris Statlander. Yeah. uh, Revolution 2020. That is. Yeah. And then you also have Lance Archer for the, um, one of 3000 rare, um, variant. Um, he's in like a red and silver gear, uh, from dynamite October 14th of last year. Um, he should have a handlebar, handlebar mustache on this on the face but it doesn't everybody
0: should always have a handlebar mustache okay <laughs> yeah it's mandatory um, that is it that is it that well is it. that's gonna bring us to the end of a slightly truncated version of the, our flagship show again we will be talking about some aew dynamite we'll probably get that posted up there tomorrow hopefully that's a cool show i'm looking forward to the triple a tag team match and see you in who um, Andrade brings I've in. i heard it's
1: going to be, uh, uh, who? I forgot, it's uh, Sin Cara and someone. Oh, really? I heard. That could so be good it's if it's botch for evil will Who see. is it? Um, I don't even I don't know, know if it's, a, I think it's original Sin Cara, it's charístico and someone So who is Sin Cara. So
0: keep your eyes peeled for that. I'll probably be back on Monday or Tuesday to talk about Ring of Honor 526. I've been doing those solo missions that seem to be getting some listens from some people. And then we'll definitely, there's no pay-per-views or anything happening, right? So nothing special we need to do this week, I don't think?
1: Uh, no.
0: So we'll be back with episode 66 of this show next Saturday. We look forward to seeing you back there. And until then, take care.